Hey everybody, this is the Stuff I Heard podcast, and I'm your host, Josh Peak, and this is a drinking podcast, so if you're drinking, go ahead and crack one open now. We got uh, Ian, Mike, and Danny here. Want to say hi, guys? Hey, I'm Ian. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And so we're enjoying this time together uh, as an opportunity for uh, us to have a conversation with people who don't normally talk up to, and during the quarantine that we have going on, um, I wanted to talk to these guys specifically. Um, It's kind of weird because... Ian is marrying into the family in a weird way. Um, uh, I don't know if he's really excited about it, but he's marrying into the family. Uh, Danny just happens to be his uh, future father-in-law, and uh, Ian is also a police officer up north, and uh, Mike also works with him. And I wanted to talk to them about the challenges that they're having right now during the coronavirus and during all of this craziness that's going on with everybody's health concerns. But also, you know, how do you handle all this going on with doing your job and, you know, trying to help out people who are, you know, maybe in need or also who may be perpetrators or such like that. And, you know, what, what are the steps that you're taking to keep yourself safe? What are you, you know, what, what are you, what are you seeing? First off, perpetrator, very underused word. (laughs) Alleged. The lesser known perp. That's some 1980s LA stuff. I love that. Alleged. Uh, The perp. Uh, So like for me, I'm a sergeant and I work on our city's east side. Uh, So, when we shut down like March 15th and this became like a big thing for us, it was attaining uh, cleaning supplies from like the city. We were provided with one bottle of bleach, bleach water and a one rag for like my shift has 27 cars and the night shift has 19. So we're cleaning 27 plus 19 cars with one bottle of bleach water and one rag. Wow. Oh geez. <clears throat> and, and that tight budget. Yeah, that comes down to lack of planning because, I mean, I think we can all agree no one, none of us was prepared to make that decision. Oh, absolutely. So that that was our biggest challenge in the beginning. And then for us, it then became about the fear of it because there's still people that commit crimes. There's still people that need to go to jail. Yeah. But everyone wants to be, I don't want to touch that dude. I don't want to be within six feet of that guy. When you still have a job to do, you still got to go grab that dude and he's still got to go to jail. It just is what it is. So... To me, like I work in the food distribution business right now, and for me, I feel like I'm healthy, I'm vibrant. I'm like, <laughs> whatever, I can do this as long as I don't touch my face and I wash my hands, I'm mm-hmm. okay. Right. Don't get near anybody who's coughing, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's like you still got a job to do, so it's like go forward and do the job. I mean, what are you going to do? But sit around and go, I can't do it. It's yeah. like, no, people still have to get work done, so I'm sure you're kind of faced with the same obstacles. The wild thing for us was, like, say, all of us that watch the news and pay attention to everything, we, we followed those rules. We stopped going out. We, we wore masks. We washed our hands. We wore gloves. We stayed away from people. Well, like, where I work in a very urban environment, that didn't stop our day-to-day crime rate. Like, right. we still have our homicides. We still have shootings, burglaries, B&Es. Everything is still occurring. Nothing changed except for once you left work, then you went home and social distanced. Yeah. While at work... No one was doing that. Like, we still had all, like, if there was a party of 100 people the week before we shut down, there was a party of 100 people the week after. It never mm. changed a thing. Well, I would imagine that with the implementation of everybody wearing masks, there's also the, the included challenge of people robbing places wearing masks, and you go, I don't know, he looked like this with a mask. And you're like, <laughs> how am I supposed to find that guy? I mean, geez, are you kidding me? My mom made the funniest comment when this all started. She was in the bank, and someone walked in with a surgical mask on. She was like, oh, shit, we're getting robbed. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right. That's the world we're going to be in for the next eight months, apparently. That's crazy. I mean, 
you hear about stuff in like Hong Kong where they had the implementation of their surveillance cameras everywhere where, you know, okay, so this is a little weird to sound like, but in Hong Kong, let's face it, everybody kind of looks the same. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, know that's, I know that's a big racial Whoa. issue and a big stereotypical issue, but they're not watching my show. Let's face it. I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going <laughs> to offend your people, I can offend the people from Hong Kong yeah. and, and they're like, who? Who is Joshua Peak? I don't know who he is. I'll, anyway, I'll take my chance. That was a big stretch. So anyway, let's just let's let's say they look similar, okay? And if you're wearing a mask anyway because they live near China and they're already doing that because they're worried about regular viruses going on and they're saying that this surveillance is infringing upon their civilian rights and they're taking down towers that are watching them, I'm thinking what level of security is watching their eyes that closely that they can pick up, oh, this is, you know, so and so from this area. I mean, to the point that they're willing to overthrow their government in a in a sort of a civil coup. I mean, right. you know, and I, how timely is it that this virus? Oh no, it unleashed as this timely. is going on. I will say, I thought Hong Kong and China were on their way to a. a I did too. A, an overthrowing of the government when it came to their voting and their the not supporting of their uh, uh, socialist. Uh, yeah, leader, and with this whole thing, you know, with supposedly Kim Jong Un died, but maybe not died, yeah. and now yeah, people are saying his body double that they yeah, have. Yeah, I understand there may be a body close, double, man. No. They didn't even try. You right, you this, this guy looks nothing like the other guy. No. I'm like, his body type is similar, but his face is different. Right. I mean. Holy cow, this is like that 1990s movie Dave where they had some guy that was like an impersonator and like, hey, Dave, can you be the president? He's like, yeah, sure, why not? You know? Yeah, this is kind of what this looks like, you know, but I love the memes on Facebook of the weekend at Bernie's where they're holding the guy up yeah. and he's got his glasses on and he's just like. <laughs> I probably saw the funniest tweet. They said, Kim Jong-un pretending to die to see the crowd's reaction is the same as, you know. The girlfriend not getting enough attention, so she threatens to break up with the boyfriend. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly what that it's was. It's exactly what much it was. Somebody was uh, kind of portraying all this like COVID-19 and, you know, as the stuff is kind of, I wouldn't say dying down, but it's kind of, you know, people are, I don't know, getting used to it at this point. And then all of a sudden you hear about a murder murder wasp. I'm like, what the crap? This sounds like an <laughs> yeah. episode off oh, the Hunger Games. Not only that, but they unleashed like stuff in the Pentagon saying, oh, yeah, and we're also following UFOs. Yeah. It's like, How about like, that? What? That, that didn't even move the needle. <laughs> no. They literally admitted, the DOD admitted that they've had videos of UFOs for years. Yeah. And they were like, hey, by the way, it's Tuesday. UFOs exist. And yeah. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, this COVID-19 shit is insane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you got Joe Rogan interviewing Commander Fravor where he's like, oh, yeah, I totally tracked this object. I don't know what it is. He's not a UFO guy, but he's like... This is this is the footage, and they finally unleashed it to the public, and and yet still the Pentagon yeah. was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, right? And then they choose like or like you said, a random Tuesday, like, like hey, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're actually tracking these unidentified objects. We don't know what they are. Yeah, so and, they, and nobody was phased. They're literally <laughs> defying the laws of physics yeah. as we know them. They're flying faster than we could ever imagine. Stopping on nope, a dime, that's ta- it. taking off to twenty thousand feet, yeah. hey, dropping whatever, to sea level, Nothing's going under the ocean. You're like. What? And and nobody was like, yeah, okay, there's aliens. No, nobody. Yeah. It's interesting, though. My, uh, I was just telling them earlier, my fiance had sent me a video of a doctor who had pretty much said the government's withholding, you know, the cure to this. You know, they, they know what's going on. And then she sent me the video about, you know, at 2 o'clock yesterday. And at about 6 o'clock yesterday, I tried to watch it. Completely unavailable. You know, you can't. That's crazy. You know, yeah. You know, it's, well, it's scary censorship. That and I, and yeah, I saw today there was a thing on on YouTube. It said uh, it said it's we or I don't know, it's YouTube or Facebook, maybe Facebook. They said it was weird that um, 
you can have someone what was it what was the statement? You can have someone claim that there's aliens and nobody says a thing, but you can have a doctor want to talk on YouTube about a cure or a possible way to get around this and YouTube scrapes it from the internet and it's like, yeah. "What?" You know, I have uh, I have a friend that works down in Albany, Georgia, which is like the number 4 mortality rate in the world for coronavirus. And he works in infectious disease. And I've done a few podcasts with him where he's talked about the challenges they've had in that area and how, you know, people are just oblivious. They'll just go into public with no, you know, no throw caution to the wind. And I feel sort of guilty for that here in Florence because, like I said, I feel vibrant. I feel okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going out. I'm doing my job. I'm trying not to touch my face. But also, I could be asymptomatic and just giving it to everybody not knowing. I mean, that's a real possibility. And that's what worries me is I go, am I the jerk? Am I the guy that's giving right, it to everybody? Right, right. Am I just... Am I healthy in the fact that I'm just okay? You know, you well, hear about like O positive blood. Apparently, you're supposed to be you. You could have it, but not get symptoms. But if right. you if you have like A type blood, then you're more possible to get it. And I'm going okay. Well, I'm O positive. My wife's A. I could be the carrier, <laughs> and she ends up dying because I'm an idiot. Like for me, I am due for one respiratory infection a year. It's normally either in the spring or the fall, and this. It was January, the end of January. I had a fever, and I never have a fever. I had a respiratory infection and a sinus infection and a fever all at the same time, and I was negative for all my flu tests, and I felt awful. And it was like the worst cough. I I couldn't get rid of it. So in my opinion, I thought I had had every symptom that they're telling you to Mm -hmm. watch out for in January. And and I'm very... I, I get respiratory infections, but I have n- I've never had a fever with it. And then I had one, and I was like, ooh, this is suspicious. I had a cough from November through December. Yeah. No fever. Felt kind of crappy, but no fever, but just a persistent cough all November and December. And I've been doing this damn podcast two times a week, <laughs> and, I'm, and I keep apologizing as I'm doing the podcast. I have right. to cough, and I go, I'm sorry. I'm not running a fever. I'm not sick. But I think back, and I go, did I have it? Yeah. Because then you hear about them talking about maybe this came to America way before they thought. So that, that's what I'm interested to see because I don't believe everything I read on the internet, of course. Oh, no. No one should. Well, why would you ever believe that? Unless you're on, a, on this podcast. it's all podcast. true. It's all true. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I look forward to them tracking back because mm-hmm. they said our first, like, Ohio had one. Some, some kids came back from China to go to Miami of Ohio. And those were two, two of our first. And I think that was like in mid-February. But I don't know if they actually tested positive, but they were quarantined because of where they came from. So when they start tracking backwards, I'd be really interested to see who comes out with the information. Oh, no, we were right. We didn't have any cases till the end of February. Or do they say, well, this is strange because I think we had it before. Yeah. Well, that and I'm also curious to find out if they're eventually going to say, oh, this definitely came from the place in Wuhan where we were yeah. making viruses, oh, by accident, you know. Right outside out. the yeah. infectious yeah. disease lab. Yeah, four miles from supposedly these wet markets. And I'm like, was it a that's a little convenient. A, a pangolin? Right. And I'm like, what is a pangolin? I had to like Google what a pangolin is. I was like, pretty wild looking animal, yeah, man. It's pretty, pretty crazy. wild looking animal. So the bat had to take the rap in the beginning for all this, and it was yeah. not even his yeah, fault. Yeah, it wasn't even his fault. I love the like early memes where I, uh, I think when it first hit, uh, my brother or my stepbrother is a big Batman fan, and <laughs> he, actually, <laughs> he, actually, <laughs> he actually works as a, uh, a radiologist in several different hospitals in the area, um, on call, going to different ones and helping out. 
But um, I sent him a thing right away of the meme of the bat signal going up and him send, and Batman sending a signal up of the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I sent it to him and I go, here you go. He goes, that totally applies. He goes, by the way, I was exposed today. I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, great, great story. I got three kids at home. This is really exciting. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh. Yeah. So not all jokes hit, man. Not all no, jokes are good. No. But, you know, it, it is one of those things where everybody is still faced with a job to do and everybody's still faced with this obstacle of, okay, I'm fine, but like my mom has got rheumatoid arthritis, so she's compromised. So I can't be around her. I can't come into contact with people that are around her. We all know somebody in our family that's somehow immunocompromised, whether it's through, you know, cancer or maybe they had, you know, diabetes or something that went on in their family where they're, they're somehow in danger. So you're like, okay, how do I, how do I like associate with my family, still do my job and still like provide? I mean, I think uh, Friday I heard a podcast where they were talking about, okay, do we risk 1% of the population for 60% of the population to not go bankrupt? Yeah, that's where it gets weird because like my mom is high risk. She's had a heart attack and she smokes. And I, I saw a study that came out of China, which again, grain of salt, obviously, because I right. read it on the internet. But they had a huge population that w- got the sickest and died. They were upper to mid 50s and they smoked or they were obese, which obesity affects your lungs and your cardiac system as if you were a smoker. And they some of their highest numbers were in men that smoked or were obese. And my mom has smoked and has a heart attack. She's not obese, luckily. So for me, I haven't seen my mom in two and a half months, probably. Jeez. Like, I see her. I buy my dog food from her. Yeah. She owns a store, uh, the, a pet supply store. So literally, she, I wave to her outside the window. She leaves the food outside for me, and then she'll send me a text afterwards. Mm. So when it comes to, like, I feel extra responsible because that's my 1%, obviously. But as an adult with a rational thinking mind, it's, it's hard for me to fight against the argument for herd immunity because if we're not working towards saving 80, 90% of the population, but we're going to sacrifice how much yeah. to save the 1%. Yeah. I mean, and luckily we've heard about different organizations, different um, owners of you know, businesses and stuff like that saying, don't worry about rent for the next two months. Mm-hmm. You're going to be, you know, we're just, right. we're just going to like eat it for right now. Just, just try and get through this, and then when things get back to normal, we'll go back to normal. See, there, there's a key word right there, <clears throat> normal. What, what I have is a normal? feeling in a new future, normal is going to be a whole different outlook. I mean, it's going to be a whole new normal. Yeah. Um, that's why I keep hearing people saying, well, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Well, I don't know what that new normal is going to look like because I have a feeling this has changed so many um, policies in business. Um policies in your home life and your personal life i think it's you're going to have a whole different normal well and and also i'm looking at your packer shirt i mean how's this going to affect sports i mean are you going to have crowds in sporting events or is it going to be an uncrowded event like we're watching ufc tonight there's not a crowd at jacksonville but they're fighting yeah and and we commented on the fact that this last fight that we just watched ended and the guy's like yeah i won and they looked around and there's nobody in the crowd so he didn't play with the crowd I mean, immediately the guy who lost came up and congratulated him. Hey, man, good job. You, you beat me. I mean. Well, I think, I think it's going to be tough because I used to race um, tough trucks for several years. And, and I can't imagine going to a stadium or a, an event 
where it's, I mean, I do, I love to race, so it doesn't matter. I would race, but I think the level of your adrenaline, the level of your competition is just not the same. You don't, you're not playing to a crowd. So I think it's going to be, and the same way for like any sport, whatever it may be. I mean, the crowd, you feed off the crowd. Yeah. And if, if there's nobody there, it's going to be kind of hard to get that, you know, that extra gear that you really need. So it's going to be it's going to be difficult. Well, I mean, in 2020 we saw basketball cease. We saw baseball never happen. Right. Hockey never kicked off. Football supposedly is going to start next week. Yeah, we're hoping. Really? Uh, I mean, holy crap! We'll baseball see. Baseball in July, they're saying. Are we'll they going to yeah. Are they going to split it up where every other seat is empty? I mean, yeah. what is going to be the acceptable limit, and is this going to cause another problem? I mean, all of those are questions that none of us really know. No. But it's one of those that we're all asking each other. I mean, I know that's a question that my wife asks me every day I come home from work. So what do you know? Anything different? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's having to work from home, so her information is limited. Yeah, and so every day I'm out in the public. smaller than what it yeah. used to be. Yeah. So every day I come home from the public, she's like, what's new in the world? And I'm like, I, it, it, I mean, <laughs> we're figuring it out. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know that anybody has the answers. I mean, luckily, we have technology nowadays where we can communicate through Zoom and through right. FaceTime and stuff like that. But it's not the same as coming into contact with each other and, like, hugging each other. And, you know, a buddy of mine came through the area today whose grandma passed away. And when he pulled up to visit, you know, he's coming back through here to go to uh, Myrtle Beach. He got out of the vehicle and he's wearing a mask on his face. And I thought, is he going to wave at me? Is he going to come hug me? <laughs> we always hug, you know. We've been, we've been best friends since we were in, you know, ninth grade, tenth grade, something like that. And he, he, he had the mask on for a second, and then he goes, God, screw this. And he pulled the mask on, he came and hugged me, and I was like, of course you're going to hug me. Why well, that's you? the awkward part. is like, even even if it's not your best friend, you're walking up to somebody, and, and what you would typically do, you're like, uh, you yeah. kind of get that awkward uh, look. You're trying to see who's going to make the first move. What, what do I do here? That's like how you figure out who the conspiracy theorist is about this. If someone comes up and gives you a big hug or shakes your hand, they're like, Shakes your hand real this. aggressive. <laughs> I don't believe in this one bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and not only that, but I mean, this whole thing about not touch your face, I didn't realize how much I touched my face until he said, don't touch your face. That's exactly. the most scary realization, how unaware you are of your natural habits. Yeah. Because I wear glasses and, or contacts, so, but if I'm wearing my glasses, like if you have an itch on your nose, you're just going to just run your hand right over your eyeball. Yeah. Well, good. Possibly just infecting myself. I, right. I touch a doorknob and use Duramax afterwards. Who knows? Well, that's, that's why I noticed myself. Like I never even paid any attention until all of a sudden now that in the back of your head, every time you reach for your face, you're like, oh, man, wait a minute. And and then if you don't touch it, that itch intensifies. It does. It's like, it drives yeah. you crazy. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, in the Marine Corps, I used to, one of the things I used to do was I would teach people how to go in and out of the gas chamber. And, of course, as you do this on repetition, <laughs> the more exposure you get, the more that you're like. That might be the true cure to. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm thinking about, first off, I'm thinking about all the shots that I had that were unlicensed. And, you know, they're like, no, no, you're good forever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> For what? <laughs> you know, I, I had two kids while I was in the Marine Corps. And when I got them, you know, when I got out and I came home to give them boosters, they were like, no, they're good forever. And I was like, what? And they go, they might need a tetanus shot when they turn 40. <laughs> really? And they go, oh yeah, you got experimental crap. You're good. I was like, okay. They ever so, give you the? Uh, Do you ever get the peanut butter shot when you were in the Marine Corps? I never heard it called that, but oh, it was explain just more. This something real thick. I don't know what it. That sounds a little weird. When I say right. it's real yeah. thick, but it's something. Is it you know, administered by a priest in the dark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm a Catholic. Close your eyes. Yeah. 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 
means it's some kind of shot that goes right in one of your butt cheeks, and it, I mean, it's like a baseball yeah. in there. We had multiple you gotta, that you had to rock. Yeah, you, you got to roll, roll on it, roll on around it. on it, and yeah. mush it out a little bit. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the, we went down the assembly line of both arms, both butt cheeks, and then you sit on the floor and you have to rock back and forth and move it all out. And then you stand in line and get them again in your arms, and you're like, is this safe? And you're thinking, I, I don't know, absolutely yeah. not. None of this is safe. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They're still here today, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, when I got out, you know, they, they kept saying stuff like, you know, do you want to go down and get a, a flu shot? And I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't ever want to get another shot again if I have to. But, you know, it wasn't until recently I got another flu shot. Um, I think I went in for a regular appointment. And she's like, oh, we're giving the flu shot away. You want one? I thought, I haven't had one in a while. Sure, why not? Believe it or like, not, I've wouldn't never had a flu shot. I uh, The only flu shot I ever got when I was a paramedic before I got hired as a policeman, I had the swine flu shot when it was making its rounds because mm-hmm. I was forced to get it or else I would have been fired. And I can honestly say I have never had the flu. Not one time. I don't know if I've ever had the flu or not. I've had a lot of shots. <laughs> And I and, and and once like once a year like the, whenever the seasons are changing and you see those purple flowers in the vine well you guys are from up north there's this purple v- vine flower down here wisteria every time I see that purple flower I know immediately I can't breathe for like two weeks and I got to start taking Alivert and Sudafed and it's just gonna mess me up and it's almost like I've been punched in the face my eyes swell up and it's like ah I wish this stuff would go away and, and that's as soon as the flower goes away this you know this stuff all hit right when pollen yes. season got real thick so you're like. Everybody's you coughing sneeze, a little bit. Everybody looks at you like you're the, you just transmitted the the COVID nineteen to everybody. And I'm like, dude, it's it's pollen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's very uncomfortable when you're around a group of people and one of them goes, oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, all, it's almost like you're you're the uh, Satan child. Is this the moment it happens? Is this the moment? Did I just get it? Oh my God, I'm exposed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but that's also you know. <laughs> One of those things where you're like, I hope that I'm okay. I hope th- I hope that all this has been like for nothing. You know, yeah. Did I do all this for nothing, or am I being safe? And of course, every question of it is just like, no, I'm an idiot. Obviously, I mean that's why I joined the Marine Corps. So anyway, moving forward, <laughs> when you put you're a hero, when you put it that way. <laughs> uh, what was the old joke? Uh, if you if you stood in line and they said, uh, are "You don't, here to join the Air Force? Well, let me see your ASVAB scores." Oh no no no! You need to go next door. <laughs> <laughs> and you go next door, and they go, let me see your address. No, no, you need to go next door. And then eventually they get to the to the Navy, and they're like, can you say your name? You're like, oh, and they go, you need to go next door. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, but whatever. Um, I don't I, uh, I am hopeful that all this gets back to normal-ish. Ish, yeah. I don't know that movie theaters are ever going to be a thing again. I think that people are getting so used to their big screen TVs at home. Oh yeah, it seems like yeah. that's going away real quick. I think it seems like they're having yeah. more success just the on demand streaming. Yeah, because you're still be paying bigger, for they're it. They're going to have to get. They're going to have to get bigger houses. I, I mean, I I can remember in a day looking at a 13 inch TV. You know, and, and a 13 inch TV. My God, the, the the computer monitors are bigger than that now. And I just delivered one. Um, just last week, an 85-inch television. I'm oh. like, my God, um, you know, why don't you just make a wall? The, the, and, I, and I see in the future that you're not going to have, they're going to be built right into the walls. I, I, you heard it here for now first from me. But <laughs> dollar idea. Yeah, it's just the technology. Right. Yeah, what are you doing, man? I mean, <laughs> let's work on it. Well, I, I mean, mean that, that could be. My brother, for a short period of time, he had one that was a projection. Yep. Yeah. That he had just like a thing mounted in, in the ceiling. Yeah, and it projected right on the on the wall. It was beautiful. And yeah. I was like, How did you how did you do that? And I'm just, I'm amazed by it. 
But it looked great. I remember it, back in the day, awesome. you would be able to remember this. Um, I bought my first uh, big screen. I called it the big screen TV. But it actually had a projector built yeah. in the back, and it mm. weighed about... 3,000 pounds, it felt yeah. like. <laughs> and now you get them, and, and they're literally, like, you know, way next to nothing. And Because I can remember I had taken that down to my basement, and I had put it down in there. And I swore to God, if it was coming back out, it was coming in parts. And it did. I, I smashed it apart in the basement <laughs> and brought it up part by part. When I was uh, out of the Marine Corps, I, I took one of my income tax checks one year, and I bought a big-screen TV from Best Buy. It was a 55-inch, which at the time was humongous. Oh, yeah. And in my tiny 900-square-foot house, <laughs> two-bedroom house, I had two kids. Um, my sons were in one bedroom. I had this in the living room. And basically, I had my couch uh, four feet away from it. <laughs> so we could watch movies and play Xbox where it was this close Dang. to us. I mean, you could reach your foot out and touch it. I got robbed one day while I was dating my wife just before we got married. And they stole the Xboxes, obviously. And there was fingerprints all over the TV because I'm sure they were like, how do we get this out of here? (laughs) They couldn't figure out how to get it out of there. But they were just like, this thing is awesome. But also, it was too big to like run out of the house with. You're not going to run down the street with something. It was just tremendous, yeah. But I mean, nowadays, flat screen TVs, you could just pick it up and put it on your arm and take off. It's funny you mentioned that. When I worked at, before I came to the where I'm at now, the going rate for burglaries, they would come in, they would unhook your TV from the wall, and the first thing you had to do, you had to find the first abandoned house, and you'd go in the backyard near the garage. They would stack everything they stole in that garage of an abandoned house, and they would come back later and get it when we weren't chasing after them or anything wow. like that. They'd wait 8, 10 hours, come back like they meant, were meant to be there, back up toward that garage, they'd take everything out, they'd throw it in the truck, and they'd be gone. Mm. Wow. So when we figured that out, we were able to recover all your property, but, I mean, it had been sitting in an abandoned My wife's garage. dad uh, recently had his trailer broken into down in Roundo, and um, he knew who the guy was. He lived down the road. He'd been breaking into his house for years. This guy was on drugs. This guy had problems. And he kept reporting him to the cops, and, he, and they, they'd arrested him a couple of times, but they let him go. And this time when he broke in, he, like, full methed out, like, <laughs> tore through the back door with an axe. And with an axe? With an axe. His dad, her dad put up uh, trail cams, and he's got them on video breaking into the house. The only way they could find it out was he had an assailant with him who had ta- visible tattoos that he could track. Mm. And he was like, we know this guy. We've, we've arrested this guy before. People they went really and got him and questioned him. Tattoos. He goes, oh, yeah, we totally did it. And so-and-so. And they found, <laughs> they found the house where there's, like, 200 TVs where they'd robbed the entire town. And they were like, oh, oh, you were the guys we've been looking for. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm not going to say case. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. say tattoos or fingerprints, but for the most part. They pretty much are. They pretty much are. Yeah. They're pretty so unique to you. Wear a long sleeve shirt, you idiot. <laughs> so if you're out there getting the face tattoos, please be doing that mm-hmm. because you're making smart life decisions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage everybody, if you're getting a yeah. face tattoo, you're doing the right thing. Just yes. keep going with it. It yeah, makes it easier for you to catch later. Keep wearing tank tops when you're booting indoors. No one will notice all those beautiful gas station tattoos you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, usually the gas station tattoos and the meth go hand in hand. Yes, they do. So say that. all the good decisions are happening at the right. same time. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it makes me wonder if we're in actually the movie Idiocracy. 
where we're you know we got a wrestling guy that's going to eventually be the president, and he's like, great right. movie though, great. It, movie. It's so underrated. Are you telling I mean, me you wouldn't vote for The Rock right now? Listen, I might if The vote Rock for ran, the rock. Yeah. he he'd be worth listening to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guarantee free tequila and, and you know free rock bottoms for right everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, listen here, you jabroni, vote for me. <laughs> if he came out once a week in a, in a shirtless ad, and my yeah. wife would vote for him, she'd be like, right. I'm <laughs> yeah. I mean, she'd be all in. And listen, I would vote for him too. I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. All you gotta do is promise that Terramana tequila, man. Have you had that? No, I'm trying. I'm assuming it's sold out. Everywhere, it's hard to but. find, but if you can get a taste of it, it's good. Mm. Very nice. I haven't had it yet either. Uh, <clears throat> I'm proud of him for coming up with the consumable on top of all the movies and producing and acting and everything else. The the key is making a consumable. I heard it once said, um, what was it, Adam Carolla said, do you want to invent a toilet or toilet paper? Because you're only going to buy one toilet, but you're going to buy toilet paper forever. Yeah. And he came up with a drink called Mangria that right. he's selling now, yeah. which is sangria and like added vodka, Yep. but it's flavored and it's supposedly good. I haven't tried it yet. I can't find it anywhere, but... Like, that is the consumable you want to come up with, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, why all of these celebrities are starting to get into the gin business and vodka and tequila and stuff like that. Hey, let's make something people want to drink. Yeah, George Clooney has a tequila, too. Yeah. yeah. Was it um, Ryan Reynolds has aviator gin? Oh, really? Um, God, there's a bunch of celebrities. Um, My Dan brother Aykroyd. Is, a, uh, is a bartender in Northeast Ohio, and uh, Ryan Reynolds was shooting a movie up there, and uh, he uh, served him his own glass of aviator. You know, yeah. Wait I mean, second. not only that, but hey. he also like during James. this. Really, I swear. Ryan Re- <laughs> Ryan Reynolds came into that place. I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he also donated like over a million dollars of proceeds to this, you know, to the bartenders fund of them being out of work right now, mm. which is really cool. I mean, yeah, he didn't have to awesome. do that, right? That's really cool of him. Um, the guys from Breaking Bad, uh, Aaron Paul and and uh, uh, Brian Cranston, they own a. a, a what is it? Uh, I forget what the alcohol is. God, I wish I could remember the name. But they also donated a million dollars. I mean, really? that was their thing. Yeah. Whew. So, I mean, it's cool that if you have a business, you're able to give back. I mean, a lot of companies aren't, but it's really exceptional when they do. I know Miller also gave to, like, Bartenders Association a million dollars. They're like, yeah. That's what I, it's funny. I heard some people say, well, yeah, the, these celebrities should give money. They get all kinds of money. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They don't have to give nothing. They don't have and to. And furthermore, yeah. what did you give, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they gave all this money, and you're bashing on them, but did you help anything out? All I know is I don't need a video of a bunch of celebrities singing to make me feel better. That's no. for sure. Yeah. No, I thought that was just give the money. That was that, that was yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. shut yeah. up and do nothing, or yeah. give the money. That's well, about that it. that's also ego. It's I want you to look at me, right? Because I'm important. That was like a fart in church, man. That was terrible. Yeah. Now, on the contrary, I do like the ones that the com- the comedians did on YouTube, where they raised money for. Local comedy, yeah, people. That was and cool. They were all trying. They were trying to be funny on Zoom, which is very hard because there's no audience to play was that, off. Was of. that the one Kreischer like completely like freaked out when Adam Sandler? Was yeah, on there? He, he said all the wrong movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love your movie, Precious Gems. He's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Madison was great, or was it uh, Happy Madison? He's like, okay. He goes, you got Netflix? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like immediately, his friends called him later. He's like, that was. Oh, awesome. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you think he has Netflix? He has a $200 million contract with Netflix. I think they throw that in there. You know, 
He's got his friend's password. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, immediately they, they like stepped up and they're like, okay, so the only way we can really raise money, they gave money of their own first off, but then they also donated their time of, hey, we want to help out people. And then they got on, on social media and just, just entertain people to like try to raise money. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I got nothing in this. I'm giving everything. You know, here's an opportunity to also give. And I like that. I like that. You know, if you're going to do that, you know, first off, put your money where your mouth is, which Whitney Cummings started it off. She's like, I'm putting five grand in right now. And of course, five grand for her is not a big deal, but it's also, it is a big deal. It's right. five grand. That's yeah, five, five grand. Yeah. Right. dollars. Right. I mean, you know, she's got a production company. She's an actor. She's a writer. She's a producer. She does all this stuff. Five grand is still a lot of money. Yeah, there's but to start it off and saying, this is what I'm setting the bar at. You right. guys go from there. Yeah, that's a big part. Yeah. Because then everyone else seems, uh, you know, a little less. If I mean, everybody else was still, I mean, right off the bat, they were all like, I don't know, you know. But then when she says five grand, even Theo was like, okay, I'll do five grand too. Oh, Whatever. Theo Vaughn is my boy. <laughs> gang, gang. Listen, <laughs> gang, gang. If Theo Vaughn somehow listened to this someday, just know if I could grow a mullet at work, I would just for you. Man. The Rat King lives. Man, I love Theo. What's amazing is that he always comes up with things that I've heard said as a kid, but the way he says it is funnier than I, how I I've don't heard know it. if it's if it's his Louisiana accent or whatever it is, but like he sometimes on his podcast he'll just be like, man, praise God. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 he, and he says it just so perfectly timed with, with what someone else is saying. I'm like, that's incredible, man. I could never think it's a one liner that shouldn't be a one liner, and I'm still to, dying. To me, it's like uh it's like it's like the gears in a 10 speed. Mm-hmm. When everybody else is at a 10, he yep. drops it down to a 7, and he delivers a line that's like, yep. holy crap, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Do you know much about him at all? I don't. Oh, I don't. man. I saw him, I think it was last year, and I from start to finish, I don't even know if he had a set, honestly, because he played off the crowd so much mm-hmm. that it, his one-liners making fun of people in the crowd were just as funny as his that's what I, legitimate. I like a comedian that can, like, you know, a lot of them they have predetermined, you know, they got – uh, a schedule what they're going to go, but a lot of them, like you said, you know, off that avenue will go off to the left. Next thing you know, you know, they'll just run with it and and still not miss a beat. Well, and you know, from, from being a comedian fan and a podcast fan, I've heard a lot of their podcasts where they talk about when you're in the crowd, you just start to, sort of have to be in the moment and you have to read the crowd. And sometimes yeah. it's just your ability to adapt that's just going to make either it be fun or not. Yeah. And you want to make it fun for everybody because you want them to come back. And you want them to do this again, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to read the crowd and you have to play off of them all the time. I've been to some comedy clubs and and you could tell, you know, they got predetermined, you know, schedules and, and, and scripts and whatnot. But next thing you know, something happens in the crowd and, and it just turns that it flips the whole script and and a good comedian can take that and just turn that whole thing around. And and I've watched a lot of them do that and it's just hilarious. I mean, you can like He'll start with somebody in the crowd. Well, that person will jump to somebody else, and then he'll just, you know, follow that person. And, and it's just crazy how they can just think of that stuff right off the right off the hip. The first time I ever heard Theo Vaughn, he was on Burt Kreischer's podcast, The Burt Cast, uh-huh. and he was talking about his origin story. He said his dad was in his 70s when he had him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. and, his, and his mom is wow. like, like a hottie, but she married this old guy, obviously, for money. 
But he's like, I grew up with my dad, like being able to barely live, and it. And he goes, obviously, comedy came from that. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had it built right in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of his stuff is like, I wonder if my dad's alive today. <laughs> <laughs> One of his best jokes was like, Yeah, we should take turns holding a mirror under his nose to see if he was dead or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's like that's like French is Josh Blue. You know, he's got that he's got that um, you know disorder, but instead of Taking it and and say, oh, woe is me, you know. And, I mean, he flipped the script on that, and man, he uses that in his comedy, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, you know, if you can make fun of yourself and uh, and and be okay with that, I think that's well, think and that's, that's also great. one of the reasons Burt Kreischer takes his shirt off. He's like, listen, I know I'm fat. Okay, it's it's funny when the fat guy takes his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> if I look like a hunk, you'd be like, "This jerk." He's like, "But yeah. as long as I look like this, immediately when I take my shirt off, it's like it's a party time. <laughs> Nobody is feeling threatened. Everybody's like, "All right, cool, we're in yeah. now." Yeah. Woo! <laughs> He's one of us. It just seems like the most uh, the non politically correct stuff is what the most successful kind of thing is now. You know? Yeah. And I think it's we've just had such a culture where it's just everything's PC, PC, PC. Whereas Dave Chappelle came out with his last Sticks and line. Stones, oh, absolutely. God, just, everything yeah. was completely just right. against the grain. I yep. don't care if you don't like me. Juicy Smolier. Yeah, if you don't think this isn't funny, you're crazy. You know, well, and, and look at it, it was Netflix put and, it on. And a week know? later, Bill Burr came out with Paper Tiger and he goes, oh, This yeah. is gonna piss you guys off. Paper, Let's talk about it. Paper Tiger was aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. But, yeah, but a lot both of them immediately that, yeah. was like, listen, this is not what you want to talk about. Yep. This is not politically correct. But it, it's what everyone's thinking. Thinking. Yes, that's exactly what people yeah. think, and they just put yeah. it in funnier terms. That's all. Well, it is. and thankfully, podcasts have had that dialogue where right, they've been right, able right. to talk about the fact of, you know, we're all supposed to be politically correct and and skate around the things that we think are funny. No, some of this shit's funny. Let's talk right. about it. And I mean, thank goodness there is that outlet. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know where comedy would be or where we would be like on a social level if it wasn't for these guys having a podcast and being able to talk to us on a regular basis and share their right. experiences. And say, listen, let's just call bullshit on what it is. I mean, thank goodness. That's what Tom Segura, is. He, I saw him last year as well, and he's one of my favorites because he's just so sarcastic and dry. Like, I think his comedy is the best. And I guess he made, he made a couple jokes about Louisiana, and they wrote him a bunch of, like, nasty letters or whatever. So when he went to see him, he's like, yeah, so here's what they said to me. And then he continued to roast them for five more minutes. He's <laughs> yeah, like, this is special. Yeah, he's like, yeah. this is comedy, dude. Like, if you don't like it. Laugh or move on. Turn it yeah, off. Like, turn that's it, it. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, I mean, that was in disgraceful. Where he's yeah, like, it's incredible. It's like, we need to build a wall, but around Louisiana, <laughs> and then he doubled down in the next special. Yep, that was the and best ball part. hogs, and he's like, you know what, Arkansas too. Screw those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which the best part is Theo Vaughn's from Louisiana, and he's like, you ever been to Mississippi? And he roasted Mississippi for ten whole minutes. <laughs> yeah, but the funniest thing was is after the roast and after the whole outrage. Then he booked like eight shows in, in New Orleans. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll play there. Right. Oh, of course. <laughs> and they loved it. They were like, oh! yeah. <laughs> of course. course. Immediately after watching their specials, I immediately sent my, my friends a message and I was like, you gotta watch Ball Hogs. And I just <laughs> hashtagged it, nine is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> One of my buddies, he texted me back like an hour later, he goes, My wife quit after he said my my that my mother was a whore. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, <laughs> Yeah. I was like, you got to keep watching. It gets funnier. <laughs> when he went straight mom level jokes, yes. Yeah. And so Meg and I watched that at home, and we were like, wow, why does this, all of this sound familiar? Well, we went and saw him. He was testing out all those oh, jokes yeah. for the special. So we had already seen the special before without knowing, and I still died. I still laughed the entire time. <laughs> I got into this whole thing because of Burt Kreischer. 
Years ago, I, I was driving to Charleston on a regular basis, and from here to Charleston, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, and I was falling asleep at the wheel driving because I was just so exhausted all the time, and a friend of mine that I was in the Marine Corps with, he reached out to me, and he says, hey, I'm going to send you a link. Watch it. It was Joe Rogan interviewing Burt Kreischer telling the machine story for the first time. Oh, my God. And they said, you need to start a podcast. And when he said, I don't know, maybe, okay, I found the first podcast that they put up with Tom Segura coming over and saying, just turn the equipment on. And it was, it was, <laughs> it was terrible, but it was also Joey Diaz came over to the house. It was oh. Easter weekend, and he, and he gave Burt Kreischer's dad pot uh, popcorn. <laughs> and his dad's on the popcorn chewing it. He's like, Dad, don't eat that. That's Joey's popcorn. He goes, no, buddy, it's okay. He goes, Dad, that's pop popcorn. He goes, no, 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 it's good, buddy. It's not right. He goes, <laughs> and, and Bert's having a conversation with Joey and his dad, and he's like, I guess if you're going to go deep, I will too. Give me some popcorn. <laughs> but I started episode one listening to him, and I was like, I, I came home and I told my wife, I said, I think I have something that's going to keep me awake. Well. And from that moment on, I just kept finding everything with Bert in it, or Joey, Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I, I cannot wait to listen to more. Like, my journey down to Charleston just became something I just happened to do. Listening to the podcast became my day. And so those guys kind of populated my enjoyment of my job. Like, my job was just crap I had to do until I get to listen to the podcast again. And I come home and I tell her about it. I was like, I can't wait to listen to this podcast again. So Did from we that, ever listen to anything in the car? Did we ever listen to any podcasts? Me and you? Yeah. No, not too much, because no, I was always falling asleep. Yeah, you too but... busy sleeping. Well, I mean, now there's tons of stuff that can keep you entertained, but also, no matter your interest, whether it's you know science or medicine or ancient aliens or <laughs> whatever, the you know true crime, all this crazy stuff, anything you want to listen to, there's an outlet for it. And so I created this whole crap by listening to Bert one day. Leanne came on there one day, his wife, mm-hmm. and in the intro, she says, anybody ever thought about starting a podcast? There's an app you can download called Anchor. And I thought, that's, that's it? And I literally <laughs> came home, and I downloaded the app once I was Wi-Fi here in the house, and I was like, I think this is all you got to do. And I hit record, and I recorded, and I go, that can't be it. That, that, that's too easy. That's how this all started. And so yeah. here I am two years I mean, later. I would say you took it pretty serious from that. <laughs> yeah, you got a hell of a from setup that, in like, here. Like, listen, I think you took it a little oh bit deeper. God. Two years later, this is episode 224. Jesus. I thought we were going to be in the back of a van or something. Right. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I literally sat in, in the living room about Don't a year ago. Me with a good time. Is there candy? Before any, of this, before any of this furniture was built, this was an exercise room. My wife had a treadmill and an exercise uh, elliptical machine in here. This TV was mounted way up on the wall so she could see while she was working out. And I was sitting in the living room and I told her, I said, I'm going to turn that room into a podcast room. And she goes, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> here we are, folks. Yeah. Two years later. <laughs> Who wears a pants on that family? I'm actually relatively impressed that worked out for Well, you, you know, it's, it's weird. I, I had a vision for it and I was like, you know, I, I came up with the name, stuff I heard. I was like, it doesn't have to be anything like, it doesn't have to be factual. It doesn't have to be anything researched. It could just be conversational. Stuff I heard. Yeah. Why not? Stuff I read on the internet once. It could yeah. I mean I mean, but also you come into contact with people all the time, you have conversations, you hear stuff in the news, you hear stuff on the radio, you hear stuff on podcasts. You can talk about anything and make it a conversation. Why not? Right? That's fantastic. So anyway, that's how this all began. Bert Kreischer's to thank. Leanne Kreischer's actually to thank, but I wanted right. to get on their Zoom they had last night and I tried over and over. They allowed they allowed a thousand people to be on his Zoom, and, and you he had get his, on. I couldn't get on. Wow! The minute he released the code, I was watching him. He did a thing with a lady that teaches his uh, 
uh, hot spin class. Mm-hmm. She was on one of the first episodes of Two Bears One Cave when they did I the YouTube love thing. Two Bears One Cave. <clears throat> he walked into hot spin and she happened to be the the instructor. She was on the first episode. She was the hot girl that brought in the drinks. <laughs> that was her. Oh. So anyway, she was on there doing something for heart research, and he did her uh, Instagram live for like an hour. And he goes, "I got to get off here. I got to do my Zoom." And immediately he gave the code, and I tried to log in. Already full. Wow. A thousand people that quickly. Wow. Man. I was like, crap. But anyway. I mean, do you, we got way off track. Do you have Sorry. any other? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, it's your show, man. It's yeah. your show. Yeah. I'll steer this thing anywhere. I mean, we can tell all sorts of weird cop stories, whatever you want to hear, man. If you have questions. I, I was going to say, I've been pleasantly surprised because when we're, you know, we're coming up here for a golf trip, so, and then they told us we're doing this podcast. Well, this I don't all, know if I was too enthralled, but I thought... <laughs> the podcast, actually, the idea for it started at the pool last weekend. Danny and Lori had us over at the pool, and we were sitting around drinking a little bit. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point I looked at Danny and went, I'm out of beer. He was like, he had a look of panic in his eye, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I brought nine. I'm already out. He's like, that's too bad. <laughs> You're going to switch gears now. We, we started sitting around talking, and, and they were mentioning that you were coming down, and, and it's like, oh, Ian's coming down with Mike. And, and I was like, do you think they'd be interested in doing a podcast? And I was like, listen, I'm kind of curious what it would be like to be a – I mean, you try to always put yourself in other people's shoes. Well, I do anyway. Try to put myself in other people's shoes, and what is that job like when you're faced with this kind of obstacle? And immediately I think about the fact of you always get calls of, we got a perpetrator, blah, 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 this is going on, you know – we got a home invasion. We got domestic violence. We got this and that. And immediately my brain went into hyper mode of, okay, we're in quarantine. Everybody's stuck inside. I know domestic violence has got to go up <laughs> immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the calls yeah. you don't – I got a friend of mine that's in the police force in Greenwood, South Carolina, and he says, listen, that's the one call you don't want. You don't want a domestic call violence because it's like, oh, God, this is going to be just a crap show no matter what happens. Yeah. Well, me and Ian used to work together for, what, two and a half years? Yeah, almost three. We were partners, um, became best friends, good time. Well, that would happen in the academy. All right. Yeah. Either right. way, we're best friends now. <laughs> but anyway, so after that, he... You didn't know that, but now you are. Yeah, now I'm fully aware. <laughs> fully aware. He had to go and get promoted, okay? So, and then I couldn't you find a partner jerk. I liked working with. He had to go and better himself. Guess, um, <laughs> guess why the only reason I took the sergeant's test was? Because he took it. He tried to leave me first. I just did better at leaving him. Yeah. So <laughs> That's all I he got That's promoted. Fair. Yeah. I couldn't find another partner yeah, I wanted to work hands. with. <laughs> I ended up becoming a traffic cop. And for those of you who don't like traffic cops, don't speed. I won't make my money. All right. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm not allowed to write tickets right now. I have been ordered. You cannot. You shall not write tickets. So my current job as a police officer is taking temperatures of other police officers coming in. So I traded in my radar gun for, you know, a a laser little thermometer. Mind you, it's a broke thermometer. Everyone that comes in reads 92, 93 degrees. No one cares. (laughs) I've taken the higher ups temperatures and it says 93 degrees and they go... You know, hey, chief. And they go, oh, 93 degrees. Okay, have a good day. That sounds like being in the Marine Corps. <laughs> it's it's, it's sounds, unbelievable. It exactly like being in the Marine Corps. Here, use this equipment that was outdated 20 years ago. Right. Like, but so they if can it spreads. say they used it. <laughs> yeah. It's all that matters. Yeah. The liability has been passed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's mm. crazy. God. Uh, yeah, the DVs, like for us, you can always tell um, ours always have a huge uptick in if we get a huge snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Because now everyone's stuck inside, or when it's really hot, 
because now it's really hot and you're stuck inside with no air conditioning. And then currently we've had a ton just because there are some people that are following it. And it's like, let's say like the shift I supervise, I have 26 guys that work for me. That's probably 10 two-man cars and six one-man cars. And every two-man car has two DVs a day probably. Mm. So you're talking 20 DV calls, and, that, and that's one of five districts. Well, and part of, the, part of the problem of being quarantined at home is you're bored at home. Right. And if you drink a little, right now you're probably drinking a lot. The, right. the added, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I am fortunate. Ohio's liquor sales were up like 45% in one month. Jesus. Absolutely. I, and I am, I am so blessed and so fortunate. My daughter's already grown up and, and out of the house. But yeah. these parents have to homeschool. Yeah. I think they're getting a little taste of how much underappreciated teachers are. Listen. How big a pain in the ass your kid is. My kids were in school when the new math came out, and I tried to learn the new math, and I wanted to punch a teacher. I was like, (laughs) who the hell came up with this crap? This This isn't even math. I mean, I can't imagine having to homeschool somebody with this crap. This is so stupid. What was wrong with the old system? You have to make a new one. It doesn't even even make sense. It doesn't add up. They're like, oh, yeah, that's perfectly going to make sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That doesn't add up. Was it Common Core? That's the new thing? Oh, it's so, it's crap. How it's do you take crap. like a it's division like, problem that could be solved in three moves, bingo. and they're like, "Hey, do fifteen moves, and then you put this here, and that's it." I'm like, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't even add up. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy part. I don't think that's all that works. Numbers don't work. It's yeah. just a no. pattern that somehow yeah. works. Right. Well, like, and, and my brother and his wife are both school teachers up in Greenwood. Or no, I'm sorry, they're in Taylor's now. Taylor's, South Carolina. Sorry, Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're in Taylor's, and uh, they teach in Greer and. They're having to do a lot of online Zoom classes, or I think they're using Microsoft, uh, something through Google. Google Drive has some kind of classroom thing. Yeah, there's another Anyway, they're doing these classroom things through there, and they have two small kids as well, so they're teaching them at home, and they're having to teach kids away from home. So they're nonstop having to deal with problems with communication, with getting assignments done, with getting assignments turned in, and all this other stuff. And... Luckily, you know, they have a good enough relationship that they're not at each other's throats. But, you know, my wife's having to work from home every day where she used to be out in the roads dealing with customers on a regular basis and sales. Now she doesn't have that outlet of, like, venting, Mm. which I think is one of the problems of being at home quarantined, which is, I would imagine, increasing the domestic violence is these people now can't get out and have a conversation with their friends and vent a little bit and be like, ah, this is making me crazy, but then come home and be like, hey, honey, it's good to see you. Where now it's just like every day is like, it's you again. (laughs) It's like I wake up and you're always there. Why are you You always picking at your feet? If you fart one more time, that's it. (laughs) I'm taking a knife to your skull. I mean, it's, it's terrifying, but it's also one of those things. It's like, okay, how do we get this to go a little bit further? And I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's a problem with relationships, not having a conversational skill because of the internet. I mean, there's goods and bads with the internet, but also one of the bads of the internet is we always show our best selves on Instagram and on Facebook, and then when we're forced to be around each other 24 hours a day, it's like, oh, I'm also a bitch. I mean, it makes you it makes you look at other people's like everyone else is living their best life at all times, 24 seven, and then I'm over here getting into fights. Yeah. 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 Why is this? You know, and then yeah, yeah. If I hear this one more time, that's it, woman. You know, it's like okay, but if you weren't home, you wouldn't hear this again. Right. You wouldn't. You know. I don't know. It, it's a little terrifying. I'm pretty lucky. I, I've still obviously had to go to work, 
and my fiance still had to go to work. But like when I come to, I, when I get to work and I'm talking to every other sergeant in my district has kids. So they wake up at 7 a.m. and then they teach our kids all day. And they come deal with all the childish <laughs> bullshit at work. I'm like, oh, that's a hard pass, man. Yeah. Like, thank yeah. God I don't have to do that. Yeah. No, thank you. you know what scares me about becoming a parent is when my kids are in, like, mid-grade school and long division comes They're, around, like, smarter than you? And I have to help them with that. <laughs> yeah. And I have to lie to them. <laughs> and they have to fail math because of me. And then I have to punish them for failing math. What's bad is when they get a bad grade and you're like, I got the bad grade? Yeah. I thought I knew yeah. this <laughs> I knew it a long time ago. Yeah. That's what I always loved when the, when the science projects was, was uh, brought home to the... With the kids, and I'm like, oh, that's your science project that I have to do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, let's figure this out. Or wait a minute, let me back that up one step. Let me do this here. Yeah. I, yeah. I just it just kills me because they know that at certain levels and certain points that these kids are not capable. Yeah, most kids are not capable. I'm not saying all kids. Most kids are not capable of, of producing that. So one of the projects we had to we had to do. I say we. Yeah. My, my stepson came home with a project to do a diorama of uh, what was it a, a powerful political figure? And it was like, okay, when are you gonna do it on? And he decided to do it on J- uh, Joseph Stalin. Whoa. So he's like, what are you gonna do wow. as a as a diorama for that? <laughs> yeah, because personal. I have no idea. And I thought, <laughs> oh crap. So we had to we had to brainstorm as a family to come up with an idea. We ended up making in the oven some of that clay that you model, and, yeah. and you like have a wire frame on the inside, and you bake them in the oven, and then you bring them out and you paint them and you. Put when you say a, ovens and Joseph Stalin in the same sentence, I know. it really <laughs> makes me nervous. That's so wrong. It really makes me nervous. That's wrong, dude. It really is so wrong nervous. on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. But when he came out, he looked great, and we put a big Russian flag behind him, and he had him in a podium, and he looked all mad, and we drew his face on him and stuff. And then <laughs> I was like, mad. and then when he turned, <sighs> when he turned it in, like he did a really good project researching the guy and wrote a good thing. And then, and then when he turned it in, I was like, so what do we get on our grade? Because I was like, <laughs> I'm I, in it now. I'm invested. invested. I spent so much time making yeah. this dude out of clay, you know. And then like, we talked to that teacher. The following year, he did one on Abraham Lincoln, and I went. It's time to turn Joseph Stalin into Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> we put a hat on him, put a beard. <laughs> we can do this. And again, I was like, what do we get? <laughs> well, what did you get? Uh, we got an A. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very proud of you. But this is like, as a parent, it's one of those things where I never had the support as a, as a, as a kid because my mom at the time, love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day, uh, was oh. a full-time nurse. She was going to college to further her career. She's now a nurse practitioner and a, oh. and a nurse practitioner instructor at, at Francis Marion University. She teaches the doctorate program. She's a big deal. But yeah. at the time, she's working... 60 hours in four days Mm -hmm. and going to college full time. So it was, hey, Josh, you have this project. Good luck. (laughs) And it was literally me going, I guess I'm getting an F. (laughs) I think you and I, my mom was an ER nurse and an ICU nurse, and she was also taking classes all at the same time. You and I had the same childhood. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Jennifer Moore, I love you. (laughs) Nurses Week, we love you. Actually, yeah. I love you, Barry. And you're a nurse. You're wonderful. Yep. Yeah, I just had my mom on uh, last Saturday or Sunday. She came on and she talked about Nurses Week and how they're doing nice. a fundraising thing and all this stuff. It's and actually Police Week started yesterday, <sighs> as it turns out. Jeez, multiple weeks overlapping. Yeah, it's pretty. No, there's yeah, I guess. Which uh, I will say, where we work, Police Week is a phenomenal oh. time. Really? Uh, we have yeah. a we have a union hall that is also a bar. It's the same thing. 
Um, it's I wouldn't even call it. it you know, it's open right. for about what seventy two hours straight. I give it four about ninety six hours straight. It doesn't close. It does not Ooh. close. And we have spent yeah. many a long days in there on Police Week. I, just, I walked out at seven thirty in the morning three days in a row. If they have karaoke, I'm in. They do. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, so where we're at. We're centrally located. Like guys from Canada come down. Guys from New York come over. Chicago, Cincinnati, everyone. Chicago. Just all, becomes all a the, pissing contest at the end yeah, of the day. Everyone's telling stories. Who can out drink who and. Yeah, I, I I vividly remember a Cincinnati policeman taking a pitcher of beer, and he was trying to drink out of it, and he poured the whole thing over his face like a wet T-shirt contest, and then all his friends left him there, and they had to. Uh, he actually semi got arrested, but it is what it is. <laughs> Believe it or not, more calls that week are made to the union hall about police <laughs> fighting each other <laughs> than anywhere else. Well, in the see, city. it sounds like we're in the Marine Corps. Right? Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we did in the Marine Corps. You you're know? not we, real we far. We fight off, with each man. other, and and we uh, at one time I was stationed in um, in El Toro. We closed that base in Irvine, California. Moved to Tustin. They closed that base and moved us to Miramar. When they moved us to Miramar, we were actually moved in with the Navy still moving to um, White Plains. Miramar, like Top Gun? Yeah. Wow. So the Navy had moved to Nevada, and we took over the base, and they were still sort of Why there. Why the Navy go to Nevada? Because there was an incentive to yeah. move their top secret flight stuff there. Area 51? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> There's no aliens. <laughs> Don't look at us. Um, Get that. What's that red dot on your forehead right yeah. now? <laughs> Keep moving. It's exact. Uh, but yeah, so we moved into a, I remember specifically we moved into a quad where we were one L and the Navy's in the other L. And we would, for fun, throw our furniture into the quad and burn it every weekend and have, have fights with each other. And they would look out of the blinds like, holy Four shit, they're still fun. out there. And we would go up and threaten them and knock on the door. Come on, play with us. You know, and they're like, fuck you guys. They would call the MPs and we'd be like, we'll fight you too, motherfucker. You know, it'd just be crazy. We're but, a corporation. We're not in the military. Right. So, and it was funny because we had to like do, you know, uh, a patrol each night and, and guard each night. So if you were having to stand watch, we'd go in there and screw with everybody who's on watch anyway. And my last night in, before I got out, I was on watch. And of course, the guys broke in and tried to get me. And I was like, <laughs> I ended up fighting everybody. In the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I left with like bruises all over me. And I was like, I didn't get a black eye. I gave, a, I gave like three guys a black eye. And I was like, screw you guys. I'm not, I'm not doing this. But but it was fun. Like it was it was family. You know. So it was one of those things where. We're a family, we're, we're a brotherhood, but also, screw those Navy guys. They're, whatever, they're not part of us. And let's get to the core man, because we love the core man. Mm. Most important guy. Yes. From the Navy, of course. Yes, he was, our, <laughs> he was actually our favorite guy to party with. Yes. Um, he's he actually a, a handsome fellow, and if we took him out to the movie theater, he could get us in the theater for free, because he would flirt with the girl up front, and she would just immediately... How you guys can come on in? I'm like, Jesus, you have a superpower. How is your superpower? Devin Bosch, if you're still out there, I love you, dude. That's pretty awesome. You got me into way too many movies for free. You the man. But yeah. So you guys are switching over to press. Is that what's going on here? Uh, are you out of regular beer? A little bit. Listen, shout out to press. Um, you guys have a great Instagram uh I reached out to you guys on Instagram. I don't know if you're even watching this or you can give a shit. But we in Florence, South Carolina, did not have access to press. It was coming <laughs> from Ohio and from Florida. And I reached out to you on Instagram. And within a day, you had it at our local IGA. 
and also built a display the next day. So thank you for actually coming through and replying and, and showing us your product. It's actually pretty good. I had the lemongrass lime the other day, and it was really good. I haven't tried the other flavors, but I, uh, lemon I lime is the best. Until like last week when you was at the pool. When I, was I like, don't oh. like the other seltzer crap that y'all were drinking, but this is pretty good. Yeah, I didn't have my regular stuff, so I dove into the wife's stash and... Uh, as it comes to find out, it's not that bad stuff. When he says wife stash, I immediately think that she has a mustache. Or it's something, <laughs> or it's something dirty to do with like a special cut, you know? I don't oh, wish. Sorry. Man. Meg, <laughs> Jesus, Meg, skip through this part if you listen. Wah, 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 wah. Good God. She's going to listen to hear how bad I mess this up. and She's, she's gonna not going to listen to this at all. Are you oh kidding me? She doesn't God. have time to listen to us. She's so busy. Oh, geez. Let's hope so. No, she's not going to listen to us. She's like, oh, you guys are idiots, whatever. Yeah. Right now, they're, and they're watching probably something on TV going, thank God we're not watching the USC. I saw them opening up Netflix the second yeah. we were walking yeah. out of the room. They turned it off. I'm going to way ruin they that as soon as I walk go. in there. I'm like, oh, look, off, the fight's dude. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. I'll send them in the bedroom to watch Netflix. I don't care. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so as a Marine, I just got to put this one dick at you. Okay, I'm fine. Just what one. is the largest U.S. maritime assault ever? The largest U.S. maritime assault World War II? You're storming a certain beach in Normandy. Yeah, you're talking about uh, D-Day. The Battle of Midway? uh, How many Marines were in that maritime assault? Well, they were all in Japan. You can't really. There weren't a single one. Really? Just got to throw that out there to you. (laughs) I mean, I, I wasn't even a thought then, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, as a history buff, and I do not like the Marines, no offense. That's okay. I will take credit for those who's because the Army went through, like, you know, Belgium and all these beautiful countries where they were giving them chocolate and everything, and those dudes were slogging through the mud in Japan. I don't think they were yeah, in Japan think, yet. Uh, Gu- okay, we'll talk about Guam, Iwo Jima. Like, I love you, and I love the Army. Shout out. Dude's got a point. On that one, just so you know. listen. There's a lot of history that goes on in, in in all the forces that is really commendable, and it's weird because growing up as a kid, you don't understand what nationalism is or patriotism is right. really until you start learning about the history and the people who died before you to give up their freedoms and their lives for what you have, and that sort of builds a different pride in yourself whenever you see the flag raised or you see that people are 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 you know giving praise to someone who gets an award or someone who has died in service and you get really offended by you know these groups that are like oh you should have done this for your country you're just a killer and you're like shut up right first off shut up like my grandpa was an mp for in world war ii so like when the nuremberg trials happened yeah he guarded every one of those dudes and then watched them get executed and he has never been more proud of anything than watching Gehring and all those dudes get smoked. Yeah. He literally watched those guys. And I was like, yep, that's pretty badass in my opinion, man. Like My grandfather was in the Army as a cook during World War II, and he was in Japan. They were supposed to, they were supposed to be the group that volunteered to die to be the forward movement that was going to draw all the fire as the other battalions came from different angles to attack when they decided to drop the bomb. And he said... We, we had signed up to die. Like, that was our thing. He said, I made my peace with God, and that was going to be it. And he said, but they decided to drop the bomb. They told us not to look at it. We all looked at it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, and immediately when we came ashore, a lot of guys were like, there is no God because I could not imagine a God creating this. And he was like, 
I immediately knew there was a God because nothing could be this powerful. Right. And he brought home one of the Japanese rifles I have in the closet. My dad gave to me. Oh no shit. And and the 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 blade on the on the bayonet is still razor sharp. The the rifle is I it's not fireable right now. I could get it fireable, but why would I want to? Yeah, why would you? Right now it's just worth the story of me knowing that it came from my grandfather from this war. Wow. And that's a different generation. <clears throat> he man. came home. Whew. He came home to Georgia and immediately went back. I mean, he was one of those God-fearing guys that immediately sent his checks back home all the time. He never went out and partied. He never drank until I don't know if he ever drank. But he always would just, you know, bypass everybody saying, hey, come out and hang out with these guys. No, 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 I'm good. Yeah, I'm going to sit here and study my Bible. Just one of those guys that mm. just lived the life and sent every check home. And when he came home from the war, his wife bought a house. They started a life. They started working in a factory. And they worked their whole life in a factory in Georgia, working for Simmons Mattress Factory. The factory moved to Georgia, to, to Mexico, and he found himself without a job. And within a year, they, they, they came back to him and they said, listen, we're making crappy products. We need you to fix it. And he goes, okay, well, here's what I want you to pay me. Got to dictate what he got paid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lived a great life after that. I mean, just, you know, built houses. Um, just incredible life. But every step, of the, every step of the way, he was the walk the walk, talk the talk guy of, this is what a man stands for. And just did not waver. Whether it came to God, military, anything, mm-hmm. this is this is how it is. Greatest generation for a reason, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That was just that was God, country, and family. Yeah, that's all yep. it was, uh-huh. you know. Well, and it's like you know, I raised three sons, and with every one of them, it was like, listen, you know, we can goof around, we can be silly, but at a certain point, this this is the way life is, and I'm going to tell you the facts, and it may not be comfortable. Right, you're not going to like it. But I'm going to help you figure it out because that's what you're supposed to do. So my dad always said he's, uh, you know, anytime he says something, we were always mad at him about something. He's like, I ain't here to be your best friend. No. I'm here to be your father. You may not like me, but I'm going to be your father. I, yep. You know? I, it's, I yeah. told my daughters, I said, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm not here to make your life easy. You know, yeah. I'm, here to, I'm here to get you ready for the real world. And, and I was fortunate enough that both of my daughters turned out to be incredible women. Um, Ian can attest to that. I mean, she, the, the girl he's marrying very aggressive, very independent. Um, um, and uh, he kind of he kind of knew that going into it, and uh, <laughs> so he he knows what he's what he's got his hands into. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I heard a lot growing up. Life's a bitch, and then you die. So figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much exactly what I heard. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a reality. I mean, and. Every step of the way, you know, especially as a guy, you're going to be asked a question because you're, you're supposed to be meant to lead. So you're always asked the question, what does this mean? What's going to happen? What, mm-hmm. do you, what do you know? So there's always the insecurity of not knowing what to do. There's always the question of how do I represent myself the right way? How do I become the dominant guy in the group? How do I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you get older and you go, none of that matters. Nope. Jesus, this is all BS. I will say I took a great leadership course Shout out to the International Association of Chiefs of Police. They put on a leadership and police organizations training. And they didn't teach you how to lead. They taught you about your followers. Yeah. So you could understand who you were working with. And then you'd be better to lead them. And that was the best training I think I've ever had. Yep. They were never like, this leadership thing works the best. They said, this is what this guy needs. This is what this guy needs. This guy will respond poorly to this. And that was 100% the most effective training I've ever had And Yep. Nine years as a policeman. A long time ago, I heard you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to listen twice as much. Yep. And 
to this day, every day I use those things. And when you're when I work with people, and obviously most policemen are type A personalities. Yeah, everyone thinks they're right. Well, I'm their direct supervisor, and I'm I'm. Everyone says like sergeants is the worst job because you're getting shit on from below and above all yeah. at the same time. So I have to diffuse what my lieutenant is telling me, and I have to diffuse what my patrolmen are telling me. And every day I use that training, and it works out because you're talking about. Again, 26 dudes, all type. And even the women that, that work for me are type A personalities. Oh, yeah. And they are, all of them think they're right. Yeah. So I got to show up. I'm be like, hey, this is, listen, isn't this not so much? Let's do this. And for the most part, that training was the best thing ever. And the two ears, one mouth thing is the best thing I've ever heard. Yep. Well, I mean, it's important to listen to people because everybody has a story they want to tell. Mm-hmm. Everybody is even with a type A personality. Everybody wants to be heard and seen and everything else. But at the end of it, they have their own insecurities that they're trying to define themselves with. Of mm-hmm. this is why I feel this way, and it's getting to the root of that why I feel this way is what's going to help you like relate to them and talk to them and be like, okay, well, listen, this is what I need from you, and that is that is the communication that you need, which is. You know, it's sort of the the thing that I think people are missing in today's generation where their face is buried in their phone and all they're doing all day is... <laughs> yeah. And it's like, talk to one another. Have there's a conversation. No, there's no, well, like there's for no me, per, uh, social skills. Like, that's a weird thing. Like, I'm 30 now. You're 28. 28. So... I'll be 29. Yeah. That's, as, your, as your wife is not fond of you saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you just say your age? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I'm going to be 29. So, like, our generation grew up, like, I, we started with nothing. Yeah. And then we got, like, my parents had cell phones when I was going into 6th, 7th, 8th grade. And then I got my own minute cell phone when I was in 10th grade so I could call, like, from (laughs) wrestling practice to come get picked up. So then by the time I'm 18, now all of a sudden Verizon's huge, Apple iPhones are coming out. So I've lived without and with. Mm -hmm. And I will say I preferred communication without the internet. I am so 100%. blessed that I was spent half of my life so far. Okay, then spend less time with, on Facebook, Dan. Because <laughs> all you do I'm is spend, yeah. I'm up. All right, you're so blessed, and get the hell off Facebook. Dan. Not that your memes aren't funny. I mean, well, <laughs> Jesus, but you can't I mean, say that when I watch on. you scroll the oh, whole time. That's my that's my uh, keeping up with friends in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Use your phone. Make a phone call. Say yeah. hello. Yeah, but yeah, it's it the the social skills of some people anymore are are you can tell. I mean, unless unless they can type it, they can't. You know, it, it's so easy to hide behind a screen. And uh, oh, and the yeah. thing I don't like about Those internet tech, tech guys, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And you can interpret messages. I mean, how I read it and how you wrote it. Right. Might be two totally different things. So yeah. that's how a lot of fights start with, uh, yeah, exactly. with your loved ones. Like, well, I was just saying this. Like, well, I thought you said it like this. Yeah. I thought you were making fun of me. Yes, they're you put that extra yeah. of your voice. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, I didn't say it that way. Mm. I didn't yeah. put that extra E in that. But what, what generation are we? Well, we're millennials. We're millennials. millennials. I think we were having this conversation earlier again. Millennials have had quite a run of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about this on the way down. Two Great Depressions, you know. We've had the longest war in U.S. history. 9-11. We we now have a pandemic to live through. We have lived without major technology. We have lived with, in terms of, you know, cell phones, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. before the Internet, now the Internet. There's, Um, like, millennials. We're doing all right, you know. There's, There's a large learning curve that you've had to get over very quickly, 
you know, and a lot of people talk about the fact that a lot of kids have like ADD and ADHD and stuff like that. And it's like, no, they're trying to keep up because oh, there's yeah. so much crap being thrown at them all the time. Oh, if you're just buried in a screen twenty four seven, you know. I mean, think these... about the simple thing like music. Okay, say that say that somebody's into music and it's like, oh, you, you haven't heard that. Oh, you need to listen to this and this and this and this. Oh, you haven't heard this and immediately God, people start I feel throwing bad at I you. Do that to you all the time. Everything, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, because I mean, what popular music started what in the fifties, sixties? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you lived during that generation and you had kids later, you're like, catch up. Right. Here's the music I like. And, and so for my generation, it was, oh, crap, I got to listen to all this crap my parents were into and the stuff I like. Mm-hmm. And then I had kids. Well, there's 30 years of music before that they got to listen to. So like for me, I grew up, my dad was an old metalhead. Mm-hmm. So like I came home from the hospital as a newborn, listened to ACDC. Mm-hmm. So I grew up listening to old heavy metal, hard rock growing up. So... He, I was lucky to have a, an old man who graduated into new metal. Mm-hmm. So like he and I is still listening to the same music. I, it's never changed for me. Right. I've never had to catch up with anything. Like I still enjoy going back and listening to original Black Sabbath, like before Ozzy. Mm-hmm. So it's great, like for me. But then, like I'll tell him, like on the way down here, I'm like, oh, you haven't heard this new metal band? Like you got to check out. Da da da. Well, not only that, like we're watching UFC in there. Okay, so you're talking about wrestling, and you're like, I like wrestling, and immediately you think. God, if I had kids today, I'd immediately get them into jujitsu. Because right. why not? Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, at least that way they could choke somebody out if they're coming after them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got so, enough Joe Rogan in me to know jujitsu right. is really important. <laughs> jujitsu is wildly important. But I, I mean, but even he talks about having a good wrestling base is really important. So, it's like, well, I, yeah. I talked to a dude who said that basically the American wrestling, what we know as folk style, mm-hmm. is the greatest base you can have for mixed martial arts of all time mm-hmm. because it plays into jiu-jitsu. Like when it comes – I mean as long as you don't put your head on the outside, you're not going to get choked out. If you yeah. shoot an inside single, they can't get your head. You might get caught in an arm bar if you leave your elbow up like an idiot. But for the most part, even a great jiu-jitsu guy won't be able to choke you out right away. But you would think with even all that knowledge with, with common folks watching this stuff – that they would go, I don't know if I want to start a fight with that guy because you, you don't know what kind right. of training he's got. Well, but I still, s- you see crap on Facebook every day where it's like, yeah, I'm going to take my chances. And you're like, oh, this is not going to turn out well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what Bas- you thinking? Basically, the biggest life lesson you could ever have is if a guy have has cauliflower ear, don't yeah. fuck with him. Yeah, just, yeah. just leave him alone. Yeah. That guy's going to kill you, just so you know. <laughs> or in, in, in one of these street fight things that you see on Facebook, if, if you're making a move and he immediately moves into a, a stance, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, the uh, NCAA championships came to our city for wrestling, and uh, there was some, there was a good fight, a few good fights where it's just like, all right, we know who uh, <laughs> you don't want to yeah. pick fights with these guys. Oh, yeah. You know, you know who's yeah. winning these. Well, I used to be friends with a guy I worked at Budweiser with, and then Amen, brother. He eventually came to work at. <laughs> I don't uh, got your hat on. At the same. Oh. Time. <laughs> he, he came. He eventually came to work where I work now at a food distributorship, and. I remember back in the early days of UFC, cage fighting, if you will. You mean like UFC 1, like when it was In the very beginning, he was an early adapter because he was a grappler, and he he knew jiu-jitsu well back in the day when it first started. Mm -hmm. But he was also known as one of these guys that could bare knuckles, knock somebody out quickly. So... In matches, like he was like he was really good, but he said even back then the most money I could make was forty grand, and that was with betting on myself and hoping that I win. <laughs> and he goes, but at any moment I could be knocked out. Right. And he's like, but I was I was considered one of the best at the time. He goes, but none of that matters. He goes, nowadays I mean you could be 
the one thousandth best in the world, and you can make twice as much money as I was making then. It takes a special amount of person to yeah. not make much money and then get the crap beat out of them. Yeah, you know? right. Well, I mean, that's why he got a legitimate job. He's like, I had to make insurance. I right. had kids that I had to raise, and <laughs> they needed you know dental appointments, and I had the money for that. But he eventually took over uh, where I worked in a, in a Raleigh-Durham area, which was very crime-ridden. It was a specific area in particular where every night I would get approached by random hoodlums uh, looking for crack, looking for money, looking Ooh, for looms. looking for what I'm trying to find a creative way to say this. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying. I thought you were going to say hookers, but it well, is like, <laughs> five dollars, baby. I want chicken. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, That's still overpaying. Yeah. So he eventually took over that route for me, and I said, "Listen, you're going to be approached a lot, but you've got nothing to worry about." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if anybody approaches you, it's going to turn out very badly for them. Because yeah. <laughs> this guy would fold them up like a pretzel and send them on their way, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the development that it took, you know, in this whole process. But also, like, if you raise kids nowadays, it's like, do I send my kid out unprepared? Or do mm. I just immediately, as a kid, go, hey, listen, let's take some self-defense classes. So this, like, for going, going back to the millennial thing, like, where I'm at now getting promoted... I am. I was the youngest police officer to get promoted where I work, like of all time. So I went into, they're all Gen Xs, and I wouldn't say baby boomers, but they're very close to that edge. And they all hate millennials. They all think we're the scourge of the earth. And, I, and they don't think I'm a millennial because of the way I act, mm-hmm. because I had a dad that was like, hey, listen, dude. Nah, everything's going to be handed to you. you got to work for some things, and then you got to have your own opinions, and you build it. And they have the hardest time understanding that most millennials will do what you ask if you give them a reason why. Yeah. Like, I want to know why you want me to do it this way. Is it the best way? Is it your way? Is it the most efficient way? Is it faster? Is it just the way it's always been done? Well, there's there's a big problem right there. A lot of people feel, and I'm not going to say just my generation, but but I'm going to say it is a good majority of my your generation. generation is the put your head down at work and shut up. Well, it's 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 a generation of this is the way we've done it, this way we've always done it. Right. And we never really like people to question why we've done exactly. it that way. It, well, it, just, it also comes from having parents who went through the Depression. Yeah. Yep. Where they were set, where they would just say, do this, and if yeah. you didn't do it, you get smacked. Exactly. Right. So it's Don't like, ask that's why, your just only do option. It. And so yeah. you're trained from the very beginning of do this, and you go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, the department we work for is so set in their ways, and we've had this huge culture shift where they didn't hire anyone for, like, eight years. Yeah. And now they've hired about 450 people in the past five years, yeah, six we, years. We've been on for six, six years, years now, and we got almost 500 people below us in seniority. Like, it's, I got promoted almost two years ago, and I have almost 55 sergeants under me. Wow. So we're about to have this giant culture shift to... All of a sudden, the old way isn't going to work anymore. But you have old City Hall who thinks it should work the old way. Mm-hmm. But everyone that's going to be working on the other side is going to say, why would we do it this way? This makes And it's happening now, yeah. like today. Like every day I come to work and I see some new order and I'm like, why don't we do it this way? This doesn't even make sense. Like this paper, like we're still doing things on paper. It's 2020. What, what am I still filling out? Like I'm actually handwriting things makes no sense. I can remember. I can remember way back in my career, younger when I was in into management. Um, one of the guys, my manager, came up to me and and had this little plaque that said, "Change is inevitable. Growth is optional," and that still sticks in my head to this day. 
That's good. And it, and it, and it's it, it, right. Read it. It, it. Everything you need to know is right there. Yep. I mean, everything is going to change. That's just inevitable. Right. Yeah. You Whether you change fantastic. with fantastic. it is off. That's fantastic. That's a great so, way to put it. And because, uh, like, for us, our department, like, I, how long ago do you guys think? Like, I'm not saying you would know exactly, but how long ago do you think policemen got? computers in their cars like we're talking 20 25 years right oh yeah 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 that was five years before we got hired they didn't have computers in their cars to run people on a computer 2010 until 2010 wow. where i work in a major metropolitan city that has wow. hosted major events like oh, yeah like i'm talking the world series yeah. nba finals all-star games then you have the I mean, one of the conventions just, or one of the uh, uh i don't know this giant republican national convention. Go, republican national <laughs> convention just this last year we turned over from so as a police officer the way you document everything you're doing every day is a duty report so just two years ago maybe a year ago you had a on paper right everything you do within a 10 minute span to everything you were doing so you said from you know 1520 to 1540 I was patrolling this area and there couldn't be more than a 10 minute lapse of where you were what you weren't doing so you had to keep writing and you were writing on paper not only paper but paper that's a had carbon a, copy a paper. carbon copy so there was two copies of that paper whereas every other department in the world has computers that just track where you go they say this is where you were this is where you were yeah. this is where you were you didn't have to write it down on paper it's just it's it's nuts how how so like old you know things yeah. can so be and just don't when, want to change. When someone like me, I've worked for two departments, and I worked for one department in Ohio that was attempting to be very progressive. They were attempting to be on the forefront of everything. Like when Shot Spotter first came out, like uh, and then that would be like if they heard gunshots, it would tell you where it came from. So it would triangulate the area. And the ones they had back in 2012, there was a camera attached to it. So you would hear shots go off, and the camera would spin and start recording from where the shots came from. It wasn't always the most accurate thing, but whatever. So we, I went from that, and then I came to where I'm at now, and it's like, I'm writing what I'm doing on paper? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is – this is like a third-world country. Basically, right at the end of the year, you take in all those duty reports when you got stuck in the office in your first year. You have boxes and boxes of these duty reports that you just throw into some random, some storage room you just throw them and it, there's no filing it's it's just it's literally just to make you look better and it, yeah. it's just something they well, can tune so you up it's, on it's, it's not point. even to make you look better we work for a very punitive department yeah so if you mess up but they can't say say you know god forbid that i use excessive force right but i cover it up good enough it's not on camera it's not on god forbid camera. and it wouldn't happen it would never happen i don't believe in that sort of thing i don't believe in punitive punishment and they couldn't catch me on that. But they could go back on my duty report and say I was at the Shell station at 55th and St. Clair getting a Slurpee for five minutes longer than I said I was. They would get me on that, and they would hammer me for it. They would say you lied on an official document and you know, say— I've heard Joe talk about it on his podcast where he said you know, he thinks that police officers are the hardest job there is possible because you're supposed to— Control people in a situation that's uncontrollable, and you're also a human, so you're making human yeah. decisions and human situations. You're talking about emotions, emotional. You're talking situations. about emotional, like I. So I'll, I'll be. But first you also have your normal life to live. Yeah. So there's other things that you're dealing with, not only with your job but outside influences. So imagine me, like my fiance, works in the media. Yeah. 
the media crucifies policemen on a pretty oh, regular basis yeah. because it's the easiest target to go after in most things. Well, and the media's whole job is to just tune in tomorrow to right. find out more crap that's going to scare you. So, like, when she actually talked to me, and I'm like, hey, listen, this is what a policeman is thinking when this occurs. Yeah. Like, hey, I just pulled up on a burglary suspect with his hands in his pants, and he won't show me his hands, and now he's making an aggressive drawing motion or he's charging me. I what? Well, no, number and one, I'm, and I'm sure, I want to go home. Yeah, but I'm sure also, like, you see the the the, the things on that people capture on their cell phones where right. a guy literally way oversteps his bounds, and you're like, why? Why are uh, you doing that? Yeah, let me... God, let, what an idiot move. Let me, making yeah. me look like an idiot. I'm not that guy. Let me go ahead and preface everything I'm, I'm saying with policemen are to blame sometimes. Yes. I will never say a policeman is never in the wrong. Nobody, nobody is without without problems. Yeah. Nobody is without faults. Just everybody makes we, mistakes. We blindly defend any police officer right. oh, no. that shoots someone. Yeah. It's, can, it can be disgusting for us sometimes. Like We have yeah. both been in a car one time and we watched the police and we said, that police officer needs to go to jail right yeah. now. That guy is completely to fault. A dirtbag. Yeah. The there's one also that, due process. There yeah. needs to be... Right. I mean, look at, all right, we've all seen the video of that shooting in Georgia. Which one? The, the, just the, happened two white four guys days ago. And, uh, oh, recently. Yeah, and a black yeah. guy just happened to be jogging yeah. to the area, and they thought he was a burglary suspect. Yeah. And they weren't even cops. or there was The some one guy of, was an investigator for a DA, but what right. investigator from a DA accosts a man with a shotgun while he's allegedly a burglary suspect? And somebody else filmed it. You're, so yeah. they right. planned it ahead of time. Like, what, dude, you're not a, you're not a cop. What you need to do is you need to call the real policeman, right. and you can investigate as a DA later. And they so. think, you know, I mean, a lot of people just think we're just blindly going to go like, oh, yeah, those people are good. It's like, But that doesn't mean that video that was shown was shown to the police that, you know, who knows when that kind of thing came out. But they think a lot of times that we're all just, especially kind of newer age people like us, right? that we're just going to go along with the curve. No, a lot of the times, like even guys in our own department, we've been like, nope. That's not well, right. You're not I mean, doing that. I was, you know? I was in high school when the Rodney King thing happened. Yeah, that's rough. And I remember at our school here in Florence, there was a lot of outrage, obviously. Mm-hmm. And me as, as, as obviously a white guy, I'm watching it and I'm going, that is awful. Yeah. That is awful. I couldn't believe that that happened. Also, when you hear more about the story, you're like, okay, well, that guy's obviously a dirtbag, but he didn't need to be treated like that. Right. That was way beyond what it should have been. Well, the thing that, that but it's also one of the situations where there's no there's no right out at that point. You're just like this is an awful situation, and all these guys are to blame. But then the, the judge goes, "No, they're fine." You're like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> what? So, like, my big issue. I think the police went wrong many many years ago because like we used to only use excessive force on like say a bad person. Yeah. Like if someone broke into my house or my mom's house, you yeah. know what I want that dude to get? I want that dude's ass beat. Mm-hmm. But the policeman just started beating. Everybody. Everybody. Didn't matter what you did. Yeah. And I think most people would agree, like, if someone broke into your mom's house, you want that dude to get tuned up by somebody. Yeah. And I think I can say that, and everyone's pretty much fine with it, as long as his handcuffs aren't on. I don't believe in beating a handcuff. Well, I mean, there's, That's there's plenty of movies out there, like Copland is a good example of a guy who's in a situation where there's dirty cops in an area, and he's sort of left there to be the... the the idiot. The lone good cop. Or yeah. Right. I mean, he's supposed to let all this stuff go that where these guys are way overstepping their bounds and he's like, nah. But you start seeing that as a, as a average person sitting at home and you're like, oh God, this, I mean, 
they didn't write this for nothing. This probably happens some yeah. places. Dude, the stories we hear where we work. Yeah. Like, Ooh. so. Watch Cops on, in Cleveland. Yeah, the so, show Cops. These guys are. Yeah. Like, if, they're nuts. If you find, if you could find it, but like uh, the stories I've heard of what used to happen 70s, 80s, 90s, and even post Rodney King, because like in Cleveland, where we work, it was never this big deal. Because they weren't doing it to just some dude minding his own business. Like, it was always someone who deserved it. Yeah. A actual criminal. Not like the videos you see today, like someone like Rodney King. Okay, there's a police pursuit, all these things. The dude's handcuffed, man. Right. Does that make you feel like a real man beating a handcuffed subject? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's or the, the one in North Charleston where the guy's... Running away, running away with oh, his that taser. Was, that was yeah. disgusting. Yeah, when, that's that. Yeah, that was one of the ones we watched. We watched together in the car. We're like that. Oh, yeah. that officer. Yeah. Well, I'm, needs to I'm go sure to jail. that that, guy that, is that being your job, you're like, okay, guys, we have to talk about this. Here's a video, and yeah. you're like, God, what the dude, really? The dude fires seven, misses all, and then he's like, oh wait, and then he draws down, takes time to actually line his sights up, and fires a killing shot. And it's like, no. That's a yeah. hard pass. Yeah. That's a hard... I mean, there's there's literally a well, Supreme Court case, Tennessee versus Garner, about shooting fleeing felons. Because apparently back in the 70s, if there was a felon fleeing from you, you could just shoot him. Yeah, if someone, if someone committed some type of felony and they were running away, you could shoot them legally and get away as a police officer. Well, and there's a lot of discussion about the fact of, you know, a lot of times police aren't trained for hand-to-hand combat. They're uncomfortable in situations whenever they're uh, confronted with an assailant who throws hands and they're not comfortable with what I do, so they immediately shoot because they're yeah. afraid. Well, the problem is we are trained technically. We had we had six months of training of it, but to say six months of trainings and then ten years later you can yeah. do a hand fight with someone yeah. and you got some or old you, lazy cop that doesn't want to continue yeah. any type of physical training anywhere. Or if getting you have his a female beat, cop who doesn't you know? have oh, right, the, right, right. the size advantage to someone who's 100 pounds heavier and than her. Every cop... Police officer that works in our gym unit, they yeah. say, this is a perishable skill. You need to keep working this. I mean, half yep. of our gym unit has been in the UFC. Yeah. And they, so they, they, they need say, to be. Absolutely. And they say, do not stop this training. Keep up with it. Yeah. This is a perishable skill. You need to keep working Listen, with it. I got out of the Marine you know? Corps in 98, and I really wanted to join the Highway Patrol here in South Carolina because, to me, it was a natural fit. I keep the wearing perfect. uniform. I can keep my, my yep. flat top high and tight. Oh. 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 <laughs> did, you, did you have that little right brush top where, I had it, just, the, I had the where, top. where <laughs> it stuck up just a little bit? I would. I, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't do that weird horseshoe thing i did the flat top that's was, how you knew you were getting like a kitten, ticket getting like, pulled like, over like by that guy play, you know <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. i had the sunburn that was in the right place yeah. you know i'd go to the black barber in town he'd get like a, a level and he'd get it just perfect i'm like yeah baby we're doing stuff yeah. <laughs> give me enough town fade razor all around i'm like i can hear the license and <laughs> license registration please yeah. so I, I knew when i got out this is what i'm gonna do and i applied and that's when Fox started putting out a TV show where police officers were getting assaulted on the side of the road, and immediately they showed a girl from South Carolina. I, I, I know exactly what video you're talking about. We've large, seen this video. A large black man who was wanted yep. got yep. out and, and literally beat, beat her almost to death. Uh, yes, he did. And I, and I watched yep. that, and I thought, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> they, showed us those, yeah. they showed us that video, like, uh, first days of our police academy. They showed she a couple was, of them. She was, like, 120 pounds, the, like, and he was, like... Two suit sixty two seventy, yeah, the, that, and almost beat her to death on the side of the road. To, that video literally <sighs> makes my blood boil. It was because it, it, it not made, because it's a cop, but it it's made a my woman. testicles You're hurt. On a I woman, mean, I, I watched it, just, and immediately I felt like I was kicked in the nuts. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my yeah. goodness!" 
they're like very few things like so i've had people that want to fight to get away yeah and then i've had people that want to fight to fight yeah and like that fight to fight that's what that's enjoyable that's a good time yeah. right there because that's where what was the jake gyllenhaal yeah. movie uh it's a uh, line of fire end of watch yes which end if, of watch. if oh, any man. of you watch mm, end of listen. watch that is the most realistic movie yes. when it comes to being in a car with another cop. Yes. Uh, Michael will, Pena. Michael Pena is the great is, together. When great I, team. I will tell you, like when they draw, when Michael Pena drops the gun belt and fights that dude in the house. Yep. I've seen that happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. In nine years as a policeman, and I've been a part of that. I've done it. I've seen it. It's. I that love is the line. Legitimate. Listen, I'm a man. You're a man. Yeah. No rules here. Let's right. just go, buddy. Like I'm not. <laughs> and up until the end of that movie, where backup takes like 30 minutes yeah. to get there. Like I've been a part of like calling for every car that can get there. That that would never happen. But that movie is the most realistic police movie you'll ever see because, like he and I, there are days where it's like, hey man, I don't want to do anything today, but one of us is in a feisty mood. Hey, what's in that car? And next thing you know, you're fighting with three dudes in the car. Like one guy's trying to get out, one guy's reaching under the seat, yep. like the Magic City standoff. Oh, oh I, was, wasn't I was you. I wasn't there for that one. Yeah, you. Absolutely. Sorry, Ian. Yeah, <laughs> he was off that day. He took yeah. the day off. Magic City, also a strip club in Atlanta. Shout out to Magic City. So it turns out, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible part about being a partner yeah. too, because you never know. You take a day off, and your partner could be in the worst possible situation yeah. ever. You so, know. I mean, I'll talk. And you don't have a choice of who your partner is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just paired up, and you're like, oh, right. Jesus, I got this guy. Well, it's, that's the thing. Like, I take off, too, and then he gets paired up with the worst policeman that I know of, you know, somehow, because no one wants to work with him, so he gets paired up with him. So I'm leaving my buddy high and dry just so I can go, party. I don't know, Yeah, yeah have a nice day weekend. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you were partying. So, like, this, uh, he's this, sending you Instagram pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> The dude literally like, like you motherfucker. Yeah. He called me. He's like, "Hey man, what are you doing?" And I hear a beer crack in the background. I'm like, "You're taking the night off, aren't you?" Like, yeah, I am. So like this, like this is the craziest thing that I think I've been in where we work now. Um, we had a car. These two dudes were the some of the best policemen I've ever met. They were like natural. Have you ever watched The Wire? Yes. So when they say natural police. Mm-hmm. These two dudes were natural police. There wasn't a night they didn't come away with a gun. Yeah, you're talking about one of the highest crime, like a top five crime city in America. These dudes arrested a guy with a gun nightly. Jesus. These dudes were incredible. So they pull up to a car, three people, four people in the car, and they walk up on the car. One guy's holding a gun. The other two guys are reaching for guns. So they're calling out for all cars. So I'm the first car to get there. The dude in the back seat is still holding the gun. He hasn't dropped it yet. And the door's open. So I dive in and he and I are now fighting over this gun. So I get the gun away from him. It goes under the seat. I'm able to drag him out of the car. There's a female in the car. The female gets shoved out of the car. Meanwhile, they're trying to break out the front windows for the two guys that are reaching for guns. So I'm arresting my guy. There's a gun under the seat. These dudes close the doors. And then now it becomes a standoff in a car. So you're talking about like Jeez. holy cow like I'm I'm in this car already yeah. so if they had thrown it in drive and just pulled off yeah. I'm in the car with three dudes with a gun not the most tactical decision obviously I will admit <laughs> that <laughs> now at the time I was real fired up yeah so it ends up being about a 6 hour standoff our SWAT team shows up they fire tear gas in the car both dudes come out firing on our SWAT team 
each of them get shot 19 times with uh, five, five, six rounds. They Bolson. would not die. Bolson. Were you in the car with the tear gas? No, 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 no. Okay, I was, was going to say, that's an added bonus. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I've, I've done the tear gas routine. That's a hard pass for me. Oh, that's fun <laughs> stuff uh, right there, buddy. Yeah, both those dudes took the about... The cure to the common cold. 20-some 20, yeah. 20 years is what they got yeah. for shooting on our SWAT team. Jeez. God. So, like, when it comes down to when we watch the police, what we do and what we think is wrong, we're just like everyone else. Yeah. Like I just I watch some of this stuff and I go, what are you doing? Why, yeah. why didn't you back up? Why didn't you do something different? And I think we're more critical yeah. as police officers right. of yeah. other police officers. We oh, say yeah. it's not just Monday morning quarterbacking this kind of thing. It's like, listen, I know exactly what yep. you should be doing in that situation because I've been in that situation and I know you've been in that situation. You don't just go in there. Someone walked off with your taser. Yeah. Well, you gotta shoot them in the back. That's that's disgusting. Yeah. It's it's terrible. Well, it's the same. If well, no matter what your job is, let's say if uh, I mean like when was Marine Corps, anytime I hear Marine did blah blah, blah you are like really, or if you're a nurse and you hear about a nurse who did something, or if you're whatever, right? Whatever your job is, you hear about it in the news of somebody doing something stupid. You're like, why are you making me look bad? You know, it was weird when 9/11 happened. I was working for Budweiser at the time. Oh, I had oh, a lot oh, of oh, convenience okay, stores. Started on I had it. convenience stores in the area that a lot of them were owned by. You know, people Arabs. from the Middle East yeah, who'd come to America to find a better life. And when this happened, I had a lot of them come to me and they're like, listen, I want those guys as bad as you do. He's like, that that's misrepresenting me. I right. came to this country for opportunity. I want my kids to have a better life. This is not what we stand for. Yeah, there's a difference between practicing a religion yeah. and being an extremist. But being, religion, you can't being down here in the everyone. South, it's one of those things where they immediately see this guy and they go, well, this guy must be one of those guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I got, I'm raising my kids here. Like, this right. is the my life I chose. My kid goes to the same school as Yeah, you. he's like, this is the life I chose. This is what I wanted for my kids, not that. Right. And And it's like, you know... It's that weird obstacle of getting around what someone looks like versus what their character is. And, you know, then again, you know, we get what we had recently with the shooting, I mean, in Georgia. I mean, yeah, that's very that unfortunate. That's, I mean, geez. And it shocked us because I remember we watched it and we're like, that guy's got to be arrested in the next day yeah. or so. We, neither of us knew that was months ago was that February. that shooting yeah. happened. That occurred in February. And when we yeah, both were in that, we were like, it. oh and my like, God. I, that's I don't terrible. know, like, and I hope that because it was a radio show host that filmed that. Oh, geez. So, so I heard he's being charged too, though. Is he? Yeah, probably because because uh, he apparently knew about it ahead of time. It was premeditated. Really? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, it had. To, I mean, that was well, everyone they, involved. They told that should just go this, to jail for life. That was either disgusting. way, man. Like that's is that's a disgusting act, and I hope those two dudes get their due process, and I hope they're found guilty by a jury yeah. of their peers, and. That's it, man. That like, video I, just made me, I mean... It, I, it, it just makes me mad because as a human being, you want to be treated like a human being. Yeah. If you're on a jog in your neighborhood, you want yeah, to be treated like a human, human being. Could you imagine fighting with someone with a shotgun and yeah, just, you don't know what's going to happen. But Listen, really, and I my, mean, it's, my wife's 4'11", and so she's terrified of anybody bigger than... I'm twice her size. I'm only 5'8", but I'm still twice her physical size. And we had somebody come and knock at our back door a few years ago. And, I, and immediately when they knocked at the back door, I said, go get the shotgun. She goes, what? I said, go get the shotgun. And when I tell you, I want you to cock it. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is for real. I go, go get it. I will say. She went, she went and got yes. it. And, and, and when I opened the door, there's some young kid at my back door. He's like, hey, I'm selling blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, my back door, you're not. 
I said, I said, now. And she goes, now? I go, now. And she cocked it, and he ran. And I said, that's the universal language of get out of here. Right. I said, that's why I bought that shotgun, because yeah. everybody knows the sound of that shotgun means it's time for you to leave. <laughs> you don't even need ammo. No matter what side you're on, that sound means it's time for you to leave, because you don't have to be accurate. It's just, it's right. going to end now. Our conversation's done. Yeah. I will say, as a policeman, there is nothing better than this giant street fight. You take that 12-gauge out of your car, and you put one in the chamber. Yep. That gets everyone. Even if they've never shot a shotgun, it's, it's you all, know it's universal. the sound. Yeah, uh-huh. know yeah. the sound. It's the same thing as seeing a snake. You're like, okay, I'm done. Yep. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done fighting. This is. It. <laughs> yep. You just yeah. trumped my ace. If someone pulls out a pistol, you're still like, I'm gonna take my chances. Yeah, you hear okay. that shotgun, you're like, okay, I'm. I'm it's fine. hard to miss with nine. I mean, if you got buckshot, or yeah. if, I mean, with a slug, <laughs> you gotta be a little more accurate. But if you're buckshot, you got nine. What like thirty? 30 rounds in there? Yeah. You're talking about, I'm going to get you with three of them. Yeah. Yeah. Three out of nine, I'm comfortable with. And to circle back, back to Dave Chappelle, what is it? Buckshot, buckshot, slug round, (laughs) buckshot. We had a friend who was, you know, when we bought the shotgun, he was like, you know, she was going to buy the shells and stuff for me off the bat. And he's like, you know, do you want to make an impact? Do you want to do this? She goes, I don't know. The one that goes... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he called me he goes he goes what rounds do you want i said whatever kills he goes double odd. i said that sounds great <laughs> yep yep and he so, tapped on these ones as if to mention yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the ones that'll she's do like, it she's like what if it messes up the wall i said i don't care we'll get a new wall <laughs> you can fix the drywall yeah we'll fix that don't worry yeah. about that i want you to be safe i think danny asked me about home defense one time i said the first thing you should get is a shotgun mm-hmm. you don't got to be accurate you don't have got to have your glasses on. Exactly. If you see a shadow, shoot the shadow. You're yeah. probably be all right. Yep. My granny, when she was in her 80s, she was living by herself. Uh, my grandfather passed away, and she had uh, my uncle was in the police force in Atlanta, and he had his service 38 revolver still, and he had taken her out trying to shoot it, and it's just too much kick for her. Mm-hmm. But she had a 22 that she felt comfortable with. 22, man. She I would don't... sleep with a 22 under her pillow, and she kept the 38 in the nightstand. And she says, nice. she said, I figure if they break in, I'll shoot him with the 22, slow him down, pick up the 38, and finish <laughs> the job. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Or I'll sit there and hold him with the 38, call the cops, and be like, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I will say those 22s do more damage than a lot of people think because yeah. they, they bounce. Oh yeah. So if you get hit center mass with a twenty two, it's oh, bouncing it's throughout. Right. Well, the thirty eight will blow through you. The twenty two will yeah. still hang around. I that mean, that's is, causing you all kind of damage while it's still there. Like we've, I've seen probably I've plenty of murders happen with a twenty two where you're like, wow, what is that little thing? How'd that get him? Oh, you because know, it bounced around from his belly yeah, button all the way up. Some man. It cleans you out. There, yeah. All the soft spots. Yep. Yeah. It's rough. Mm. Yep. Well, guys, I appreciate what you do for yeah. a living. Thanks, man. It's really dangerous. It's really important. And I know that it's not easy. Um, you know, during this pandemic, it's, it, it is important for everybody to be safe. I, you know, I would like to remind everybody, you know, be courteous to each other. Be cautious of each other. Be extra, I don't know, compassionate to one another. I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of want to give everybody a little bit of understanding of, hey, we're all going through this together. And we will get through this together. But it takes everybody kind of doing their part. If you're stuck at home and you're quarantined, don't beat your wife. <laughs> Please <laughs> listen. Just like, remember, just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean your neighbor doesn't believe in it. Listen, right? Chris Rock said it respect. a long time ago. Don't do it. I understand. Just don't <laughs> do it. Don't. But um. But yeah. I mean, wash your hands often. Practice social distancing. All that fun stuff. You got anything to add? 
Uh, just that, um, if we're talking about cops, a lot of the older cops are moving out from now on, and there's, as we said, the millennials are moving on in. It's going to be a new age of policing, people. Just, just let us be, all right? We don't, we don't, we don't think in all that that old sense where everything a cop does is right. Okay. Yeah, we can take criticism. Have conversations. Like, here's one of the things yeah, that I've thought about is that's is like get to know your community, get to know your local police. If they're in your area, stop once in a while and say hello and say thank you and that kind of thing. It goes they're, a long way. They're human beings. They're human yeah. beings just like we are. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I know a lot of the folks that that live in these areas where there's a lot of crime. The folks that live there just want the crime to stop too. I mean, it's it's all it is. It's just you know, certain people have a little too much freedom, a little too much alpha male. I got to dominate. I got to be. I got to be the man. Like, shut up. Whatever. Get over yourself. Um, I mean, I got hired at twenty one, so that was me, and I have now changed to realize that is not the way to get it done. Right. So at this point in my life, I talk first. And then we'll figure it out with physicality if it happens. But for the most part, I prefer to use words. So if you find some cop that's real rough and aggressive or whatever, and he's not, the conversation ain't going great, just listen. Leave it alone and listen. Have your day in court later. That's also, the biggest thing. if you're young and you're thinking about, hey, I don't like the way my area is being policed, yep. join the service, learn, be part of it, be part of the solution, be part of the program, be part of the change. Do you remember Dallas when Dallas had the five cops shot in oh, that, uh, yeah. by the sniper? Uh, about a week later, the Dallas police chief came out. I can't remember his name. He was a, a black dude. Great guy. He don't, he's on he's, Fox News multiple yeah, times. He's no longer the chief anymore, but he said, you don't like the way we're doing things? Okay, join. Join and make a, make a difference that you want yeah. to see. And that right there was the best thing I think I ever heard. Yep. Because it's like I work in a neighborhood that isn't represented by the way I look. So I treat everyone like a human being, and I do my best. But if you don't like it, join your local police force and be the difference. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. why I joined the military. I saw, hate to say it, but my reason was I saw a video about other countries saying they have mandatory service, and everyone was talking, yeah, that should be it. And I was like, yeah, everyone should serve. And I saw a video, I was like, God damn it, I guess. All right, I'll go talk to a recruiter. <laughs> sure shit. I didn't join until I was 20, and it literally became from a job. I was going to college and working full-time, and I was sitting with a guy, and I thought, this is just stupid. I'm not living the life I'm supposed to live, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I tried to go to college. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And he and I talked about going around recruiters, and we talked to different recruiters about different services. And it was really the Marine Corps recruiter that kind of bonded with us. And we joined on the buddy plan, and then he bailed on me. Fuck you, Brian, if you're listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your battle, buddy, now? Right. Brian, if you're listening, I still fucking hate you for that. Um, by the way, you talked me into that shit, and then you left. You Wait, you idiot. didn't sign the contract? <laughs> He went to MEPS with me. He talked me through the whole plan. He was like, listen, we'll do this on the buddy plan. We'll do this and we'll do this. I'm like, yeah, man. We were really close friends. And then he bailed on me. He didn't ever showed up. And I kept looking around at boot camp. I was like, where is this guy? <laughs> you hold uh-huh. hands while they Wait, you made the boot <laughs> I went. I went all the way in. And I, and I you know, had a kid, got married, all that stuff. And, and I eventually found him. Years later, and I was like, "Hey, whatever happened?" They go, "Yeah, I, did. I backed out." I was like, "Was that when you delivered?" Yeah, no milk? shit. If I, if I track you down, this is not going to be like, well wait, for you. You actually joined? He's like, oh "You were doing it?" I was like, "I, I hate you. I hate you so much." Yeah. So anyway, mm. but I mean, yeah, it is one of those things where you go, "What am I supposed to do with my life?" I don't know. Let me let me see if I can find the answers. And for everybody, it's a different reason. 
a lot of folks that live in those areas that have trouble with crime all the time, it's like, man, the police are always blah, blah, blah. If you don't like it, join the police. Be part of that mm-hmm. program. Be part of your community. Like, represent your community. Here's an opportunity. I mean, there's nothing that says that you have to keep going along with the status quo. You can be part of the solution. Not just that. I mean, you could join a civilian police academy. You can learn what it is that we're doing, which makes you feel that way. Yeah. You know, you can say, I hate when they come up and they they pull me over because I'm wearing a black hoodie and jeans and stuff. Well, you learn every single call we get. All right. everyone's Everyone's wearing a black hoodie and jeans. And it's my due diligence to pull over everyone in that area. They always pull me over because I have tinted windows and rims. You know, like, well, we okay. get a description for it. It's uh, if yeah. I, if someone if you called on me and said, you know, the guy that just robbed my house was driving this car and he was going that way, I'm gonna pull every car in that direction. Yeah. And you'd be mad if I didn't do that if it was your house. You know, like yeah. I, I don't know like where most of your audience is, but you can go on a ride along. Like that's how I I never wanted to be a cop. I wasn't. Like one day, I wasn't like, "Hey, I want to be a policeman." Like, I, I never thought I'd join the military. Right. Like, <laughs> I was a paramedic, and I made friends with a bunch of cops, and and where we work, and I was like, "Hey, man, can I go on a ride along?" Like, I just want to see what it's like from your guys' car, and I went on a ride along, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome! Like, this is high speed. Something's always happening. It's never a slow day." Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, I want to do it." So, most places will let you go on a ride along. So if you want to do a ride along and see what it's really like, so you can go see what how the radio sounds and everything is, the information that's given to you is never what you think you need. Yeah, <laughs> like it's all you get about ten percent of what you're going to find out once you get there. So see, that's that, why I think a lot of people they're always critical of what the cops do and blah blah blah. But it's like okay, your bad day is okay. I filed this paper in the wrong in the wrong file. I or I misplaced. Yeah. I missed this delivery and put it to the wrong address. You know, in a cop's life, you know he's he's always going to be the guy that's getting yelled at. You know, just so you know, people don't call We're us when they're having at. a good day. Exactly when <laughs> yeah. they show up, yeah. it, it, it you know a they're going to be the bad guy when they get there. Regardless, I mean the yeah. people that they're going to see do not want them to be there. Correct. So they don't have a good day per se any day. You know, right. when they're showing up, it's either going to be they're going to get screamed and yelled at or they're going to get shot at. Yeah. And your bad day is your boss may give you a cross look or, or you know, yell at you for doing something wrong. So, but you're going to go home. This police officer wakes up every morning and doesn't know if yeah. he may not make it back to his house. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you that being it? on the podcast. All of a podcast. Thank you. I had a great That's time. Right. Anytime, man. We should have turned the fan on. I Listen, <laughs> we can, we can, we can do this. Can, I've learned to do this stuff through Zoom. So if you ever want to come back on again, hey. just, just let Danny know or let me know, and, and we'll do this through Zoom. Well, I mean, if, if people listen to this and want us back on, we'll listen. The, it out. the whole point is building community. That's the whole goal of the podcast. Is I want to build community between everybody to have a conversation going. And allow people to have the conversation. That's the big thing. Yep. Is our community is lacking in conversation? And I figured, why not start it? Dude, that's a. So if anyone's ever said it better. Anyone's ever anti-police and wants to talk, I think us two are me and Ian are pretty good with that. We we can let you know what we're feeling on those kind of things. We're reasonable. I'll tell you when you're being silly, and I'll tell you when you're right. It is what it is. So cool. if anyone has ever have any questions, just let us know. Cause awesome. Appreciate you guys being on. Um, everybody out there listening, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, and as always, cue the cow.